Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Non-Essential Workers Podcast, left-wing podcast on media, politics, and much more. I am Alex. I'm Aiden. I'm Jason. And this week, Jason will continue to wow and amaze with probably a large battery of articles. Yeah, the, the, the magazines are loaded. I've, I've come off a, a bad day of playing Battlefield and having bad experiences, so I'm going to try and lighten the mood and soothe my soul. And so we're going to begin by catching up with an old favorite character of ours. This from Reuters or Reuters or however the fuck you yeah, say it. Yeah, Reuters. Yeah. Whatever. Proud Boys leader, freed from Washington jail, served time for burning banner at Black Church. Remember this guy? Yeah, the guy who, like pissed and shit his pants. And... What? Freed, freed from Washington jail? Yes, he you was in jail. But he's due time in prison, not ju- right, whatever. He was only sure. serving a four-month sentence. Yeah, last time we talked about this guy, was he, like, crying about being prosecuted? Ah, uh, yes. I thought you yeah, were... Yeah. No, see, the, the right wing's gone so insane, I thought you were yeah. talking about people who actually <laughs> piss and shit their pants. I can't confirm or deny that for this this individual. Yeah, it's the guy who, with a gun, stole a flag off of, a BLM flag from a black This is the guy who made it into one of our art before, right? Yeah. Uh, that's all, yeah. And he's making it back. Alongside the much cooler orangutan. Yeah, the orangutan put him to shame. Even the fucking cartoon of uh, Kissinger put him to shit. <laughs> right, I just want to let the people know he's out. He's back and he's ready to mingle. Everyone watch out. He's free. Every black church, watch out. Keep your banners tucked away. Also, I looked at him from last time. He's, he's not even white. He's like his Yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, he's not. So let's move from. He's, the, he's, the black, he's like the black white supremacist gag that Chappelle did, but it's like not even a joke. Let's move from vigilante violence to state sanctioned violence. This from CNN. This Silicon Valley city just voted to institute first in the nation gun ownership requirements. What? Remember when we joked about one of the southern states, like governors banning masks? And it was like, oh, wait, that's wrong because that's insane. Well, better start saving for that gun. This has to be so misleading, right? It- Especially in, in in a one, what is a Silicon Valley city? Oh, oh, you're reading this as the requirement to own a gun. Yes, because that's what the reading is. I read it as institute first in the nation gun ownership requirements, like ownership for gun re- requirement. I didn't it's understand got, it. It has way. to be what, what it actually is. But yeah, it, wait a sec. Am I insane? No, you're not insane because it does kind of read like that, but. The grammar is baffling, but I'm pretty sure they're talking about gun restrictions, not gun requirements, like in the sense that they literally require you to own a gun. I mean, technically, there are countries like Switzerland that do actually require you to own a gun, but that's because they have like an antiquated militia system that actually is the basis of their security. We don't use that because we have a professional military, so I don't know why we would make a requirement like that. Okay, you know what? You're right. I'm the one who's too insane. Because I was like, (laughs) what? Near Silicon Valley, California City would do such an yeah. insane thing. Especially because that's not the part of California that's the most reactionary. And yeah, it turns out it's San so Jose, much. and they're saying, no, everyone who does own a gun has to pay a fee and carry liability insurance. Yeah, that's what that made me assume. Which is yeah. great. Eh? Oh, great. I accidentally started with good news. Yeah, All the right. grammar was horrible, but I, I, under, I intuited their meaning despite their grammar. But see, I'm so mind-destroyed that yeah. when I'm it's midnight and I'm on my phone in bed and I'm just browsing, browsing through CNN articles, I see City has first in nation yeah. to have a gun requirement. I was like, all right, that tracks. 
thought, everyone's packing heat or they're going to jail. Yeah, thought, it's like the Wild West, man. I thought maybe it was like the first law of the metaverse. Like you have to have a virtual gun. <laughs> also, you you guys you guys know the sovereign territory of Silicon Valley, which holds multiple cities within its borders. Well, you know, Alex and I were having a discussion about this recently. In fact, it'll get to our discussion later about the movie Dread, yeah. where cities are no longer just cities and suburbs aren't suburbs because there's all ones get if you could like study urban planning and get into all this stuff like exurbs and urban sprawl and like the way cities kind of satellite and spread out Mm -hmm. and spread their industrialization into the suburbs that are supposedly supposed to be so different and so like in dread there's mega city one which is a city from boston down to washington dc it's a single city with 800 million people in it and so like that is a fairly realistic future where the cities are becoming more interconnected and all of it's going to be urban because that's where the growth is. So I can imagine, you know, Silicon Valley cities stretching from, you know, Santa Clara to San Diego to San Francisco, like all the just, just cities all the way. Yeah, apparently you're right. I'm looking at it right now. I, I, I thought this was literally just a part of San Francisco, but apparently it's much larger. It's like yeah, it's San Jose's own place. entire region. Well, no, I know San Jose is. I didn't realize these were all considered Silicon Valley. Yeah. Apparently, it's an enormous region compared to just the city. Yeah, Silicon Valley is not the name of, like, a proper place. It's like a... It's like well, a we're, 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 East, we're East Coast boys. Like, we don't know this part of the country very well. I mean, I've, I've been there, but... The point is, some, you know, with it, before the year 2077, some Elon Musk, like, loser is going to make Night City. Like, it's just going to happen. There's going to be more and more tech cities all throughout California. It's just strange to me to like designate a multi-city t- area as like an incubation zone, but yeah, it's the same as saying deplorables. It's a way to group them in as they all believe in X. They all have industry yeah. Y. They all they are like this. We are like that. It, it's it just like how we group people. Silicon Valley feels like a high tech way of doing like the um, the thing from Ro- the Road Road Warrior where they're like you know Bullet Town, Gas Town. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Like calling it Silicon Valley is just kind Silicon of a fancy town. way of saying like Computerville. Tech town. Tech town. Is that is that a new place in Fortnite? Yeah. Techno <laughs> City One. It's just Tech town. Yeah, exactly. An anime or something. Yeah. Neo Tokyo. All right. Let's yeah. Uh, actually, no. Any any more thoughts about like this good policy that seems to totally bypass what people are trying to do, which is like make the co- make the gun companies pay liability insurance. Like, no, fuck it. Put it on the individual. Oh, the, so the policy was that if you have a gun, you have to take out insurance for what in case you hurt every someone? gun owner who lives there has to pay a fee for merely owning a gun, and they have to have active liability insurance. What does that cover? If you do gun violence, you, <laughs> your insurance rate go insurance rate go up. But the insurance covers like other people's medical bills or something. It's liability. It's 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 based on harm. So it, it, this measure is aimed to reduce the risk of gun harm by incentivizing safer behavior and easing taxpayers uh, <laughs> of the financial burden of gun violence. I don't know that which comedian was it. Was it there was a comedian who had a whole bit that's like I would shoot you, but this bullet's too expensive. Uh, Chris, Chris Rock had a whole Chris bit. Rock, about yeah, make bullets ten thousand dollars. That's what that reminds me of. It's like I would shoot you, but my premiums. <laughs> Would go well, so high. Speaking of dread, don't miss. If you're gonna yeah. pull the trigger, all right. If we're gonna start talking about dread, we should just start talking about dread. Oh, no, we're, 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 we're letting it seep right. into their grave. We're hyping, huh? Uh, so it says they split the vote for this thing into two parts. The first was to approve the bulk of uh, the insurance provision stuff, and the second was the to approve the fees. 
And it all passed pretty easily. Ten to one, eight to three. For this is a urban sprawl area. That's about as solidly like democratic for this voting base as you can get. I don't know why they wouldn't be able to pass whatever the fuck they wanted on a local level. To me, the issue is like, yo. So the city council thinks this will be some great policy, but like, how many people in San Jose own guns? Is this almost like a like virtue signaling in policy form? You know what I mean? Maybe, but it's not a bad thing. Like it's no, still good well, to I mean, the whole it. premise of virtue signaling is you're you're signaling that you are virtuous. It's not. Yeah, it's but there's bad. virtue signaling that's totally like ephemera that has no actual implication, and then there's virtue signaling that actually does pass a decent policy. I think this is probably the latter. Yeah, but let's just say, just for sake of argument, that three percent of residents in San in San Jose have guns. That it mm-hmm. essentially is ephemera because it affects virtually no one. It's also like whatever your view on guns, you know, this is essentially. Uh, once again, kind of the the fees and fines model. It's just kind of gating out poorer people from being able to own guns. Yeah, that's also true. Because, yeah, rich people can still pay liability or probably more likely they'll just get their guns secretly or however they, they want to avoid this fine. Yeah, I guess it was I guess it was my hubris to think that there was going to be a gradual. <laughs> yeah, no, there is, of course, going to be an NRA spin to this, that this is yeah, bad for black people. This is bad for poor people because they can't actually I take it guns. back. If this is a flat rate, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> That's pretty well, I don't know if it's a flat rate. We don't yeah, know. We don't know for sure. Cares. Could be. Well, to me, that determines the entire thing about whether it's a good measure, because if, if it's like five hundred dollars and that's brutal on the poor and meaningless to the rich, as in. Well, I guess we'll find out when we find out in six months when, like, the NRA sues them. So yeah, exactly. When this becomes national news, because like three cities have done. We'll the deal pod- with it later. The podcast takes a trip to San Jose. <laughs> All right. And buys a gun. Speaking of tech, <laughs> title card. <laughs> yeah, the podcast buys a gun. Exactly. This also from CNN. Airstrike in Yemen. Or airstrike kills seventy people and knocks out internet in Yemen. <laughs> Jesus! What the fuck? Airstrike or airstrikes? Airstrikes? I mean, whatever. Multiple. I was just trying to say fucking, airstrikes. It's a hell of an airstrike. Yeah, but yeah, I assume across several of them. I, I just I found know. myself when I saw. I was like, why? Why mention internet? What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Sur- service was disrupted in this human carnage. Were they? Were they planning like a? When they call those events, like get a whole bunch of people. God, my broken brain. What are you talking about? What uh, what a whole like a whole bunch of like a flash mob? Yeah, yeah, that. (laughs) I mean, maybe they were planning it on the internet. I mean, what they airstrike like Verizon Wireless? Like, I don't understand what what's going on. Like, they 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 take out a network place. Yeah, the Saudi Saudi Arabia, the UAE, UAE, and the US work together to take out basically Yemeni infrastructure while dozens of people seventy killed. 130 injured when an airstrike hit a detention center in Yemen. Oh, good. So you're already in prison, then you get exploded. Um, well, that's grisly, but I will, let's take it back briefly to something positive. How many Americans have fantasized about airstriking their ISP? I mean, I'm me. sure it's most, right? Like, I, that part is actually kind of funny. Yes, everyone hates their internet service provider, but the problem is I don't want to lose internet. I want better internet, and we have done so. Well, what it makes me almost think is like they're making this more palatable by being like, you would also want to knock out your ISP rather than being like, oh, this is a war crime. No, there's no, there's no way that the, the fucking news writer, the first writer is like, well, here's a nice little positive spin to this story. Let me ask you this. You, you asked the question. I will also ask the question. Why mention the Internet? I have no idea. Because I don't know. I'm trying to think of why. Aiden, any thoughts? Where's this from? 
CNN world. I mean, the the discrepancy between the two costs, so to speak. Like, I, I don't know, because it's it, CNN is, is nowhere near uh, a critical of America enough outlet for me to actually genuinely think that they're trying to weave the narrative that, hey, look, we committed war crimes and also tried to cover it up by knocking out any ability to post about it from within Ye- Yemen. So that leaves, me, yeah. that leaves me kind of just wondering, yeah, is it just like a distraction at the end? You know what? Nope, you're literally right. Another airstrike on Friday hit the telecom building that they had, created a, ma- a nationwide internet blackout, and made coverage of the story and gathering details incredibly difficult. Oh, my God. Okay, so it was a dystopian thing, oh like making God. it so you couldn't cover the first strike. Oh, God. Okay, so that's incredibly fucked, but I almost guarantee you that this report was not going to give an elaborate, detailed, like, leftist critique of dis- disinformation. No, because it's not opinion. It's barely, yeah. it's barely saying this it's is just the stating event. just the facts, right. So Isn't that why would it even mention it? That's so strange. Here's the event. Here's what Doctors Without Borders had to say. Here's what a couple other groups that are speaking about it have to say. Like, it's, it's just a news broadcast. It's not, a, it's not an opinion. Are they, did you say these were U.S. airstrikes? Uh, US coalition of... Yeah, Saudi-led coalition, but that coalition yeah. includes us. So, well, and also like they're all paid for and bought from us and trained. So, yeah. yeah, but this is a massive strike. Like I know they've done a lot of strikes, but this is this is a pretty big escalation for what, to my knowledge, they promised they were going to be winding down. Yeah. Well, see, this is one of the other reasons I brought up this article because you know over the last few months there's been so much discussion nationally about leaving Iraq and. Feel being perceived as weak by conservatives and getting involved in war with Russia. Now it's like there's still wars going on in the Middle East that we are a part of. Well, they're just not part of our psych, you know, emotional zeitgeist that gets us all like riled up. Yeah, you're not hearing about Yemen on TV. This is not happening. Like that is not covered by by even the most progressive or critical news that we have in the mainstream. Or if it is, it's a story like this. Just a just a bland here's event that happened move on like citations actually did a good podcast on this where they mentioned uh in the like they studied like two years of content on msnbc and saw like one hour on yeah yeah so like it's just he's not getting covered so no one knows about i mean we're the the kind of the thing about 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 this in the context of of the recent history of yemen is you know we're approaching a we're approaching now a decade of famine in in yemen as a as a a, a product of, of sanctions backed by by the U.S. and the the whole idea of sanctions as propagandized is that it's a nonviolent uh, approach to aggressive foreign policy to coercive foreign policy. But we're we're just doing both. We're like, hey, we're all we're going to starve <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, That's yeah. not working. Let's just keep airstriking them, but not change the other policy. What if we used just, both of the yeah. most violent methods at the same time? Yeah, both is yeah. Right. It's the girl with the two tacos. Why not both? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Soft and hard violence. Um, yeah, so so the Yemen thing's really fucked, especially because we're not even like acknowledging that we're that it's us. Like we're pretending that this is like a Middle Eastern internal conflict between like Saudi Arabia and their board and their neighbor, even though they're only doing it because we gave our tacit approval and funded them and trained them and sold them the weapons, and because we give ongoing tacit approval. Otherwise, they wouldn't feel like get away with it. So like this is a puppet state of ours doing what it wants with our full approval. Which is may as well be us. Like when you have a proxy conflict that you are completely empowered to both begin and end, then it's your conflict. It's ridiculous to pretend otherwise. So whether or not it is the Saudi Arabian government or our government 
literally pressing the button. It's our tech. It's our money. It's our training. It's our say so. So it's our doing. Like I, I don't. It, it does not removed enough really for them to even pretend it's not our doing. But that's what they're trying to go for. And they've been know. winning at that. So Yemen, the Yemeni humanitarian crisis is extremely bad at this point. Like it was bad in the first place, and now it's been, as in said, like a decade of not only famine but like disease epidemic. This was even before COVID because they weren't allowed to get full medical care. Of arbitrary detention, of, not even allowed. Basically, all the in- industry has been destroyed. The country, right? It's well, it's just like war crimes in a lot of other countries where we we intentionally target buildings that have serious civilian consequences, like hospitals and. You know telecoms and everything so yeah i mean we it's a lot worse than just knocking out the internet i mean that's a particularly sinister move as far as disinformation but wh- i mean why even bother knocking out the internet because the fucking media won't cover what's going on uh, you have to go to some really like either you have to go to like al jazeera or some sort of more regional media that doesn't have the same blinders as american media, most western media or you have to go to like the the leftist well, adjacent media that to, we have which to your have- point Reach. I think that made sense why Saudi Arabia hit the internet because they didn't want this being discussed in the region as much. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's, once again, it's, it's not they don't give a shit about America. They don't they don't care what America's opinions gonna on this is gonna be. Well, they actually, they, their own. They do to the extent that it might harm their interests. So, like, if the American public said we got to stop supporting the Yemen thing, no, the American public's not going to say that. Exactly, they won't. Like the, the the internet outage is to fuck over those people, not to prevent our coverage. All right, let's move to The Guardian for something that I think is arguably worse. Also, we'll before see. we do it, just, just real quick, the other thing it's trying to do is to keep the Yemeni population unaware of the degree of the war crimes because every time that they do one of these strikes, it like pushes more people to the Houthis. So like the, the, the reality is that this is a civil conflict in Yemen, just like it's an international conflict. And so every time that there's like a horrific attack, it's basically a perfect propaganda opportunity for the side that the Saudis don't want to win to say come join us yeah so by by preventing that from being broadcast it's helping to keep a state of disinformation so people don't know what's actually going on so that they keep the civil war tilting in their favor and to be fair in the article they mention, oh we talked with doctors out borders we talked to the houthi like houthi run media website that yeah. had an opinion on it so yeah all right let's move to the guardian now that science has defanged covid it's time to get on with our lives and the subtitle is as with any other in, uh, inter- interdictable disease. Ineradicable. I'm brain dead. Ineradicable it's disease. It's much, much worse than you even thought. Even though it wasn't ineradicable. No, that's one of the sickest things I've read on go. <laughs> prevention and treatment can be integrated into society. We're going to integrate a deadly disease into our society before we integrate people into our society. As pre- we, prevention yeah. and treatment will be integrated. As with any other disease that we easily could have eradicated if we'd actually tried, let's pretend it's ineradicable so we don't have to take any consequences for our behavior. Fuck off. I wish we could interdict. (laughs) They're calling ineradicable a disease that, like, people two decades ago were predicting was going to happen, were trying to explain to us how we could prevent it from happening, and have successfully prevented a dozen, two dozen other times with similar diseases. Fuck off, this is blatantly false. You know how when you get a gash and you refuse to get stitched or bandaged? Can't be patched. And you say, like, yeah, it can't be patched. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I don't know why we have to talk about this, like, every episode, because, I mean, I know why, because the news doesn't listen to our podcast. But here's the solution. You come up with an up-to-date vaccine that covers all recent 
variants. You distribute it worldwide over the course of a couple months at most. It's over. Then it's over. That's the end of it. That's all we ever had to do in the first place. It's absolutely eradicable. Saying it's ineradicable is honestly like, not only is it false, it's, it's like an active attempt at disinformation to push an agenda. In this case, almost certainly an agenda that's just like, get back to work, fuckers. The only possible way they're not being an asshole is if when they say ineradicable, they don't, they're not saying literally. They're saying the world does not have the collective yeah. ability and willpower and political savvy and trust in technology and science to make it eradicable due to the collapse of the human spirit right this ineradicable exactly. disease yeah, yeah but if they're but once again it was once again like another pitfall of comparing it to the flu the flu is ineradicable because of how it mutates every year and how minor it is overall and just how widespread it is we're not going to come up with a flu curing vaccine that makes you immune forever because it's always going to be changing and adapting but it's not nearly as viral and killing and you know damaging as coronavirus so you can't just like, oh, it's just like the flu. It'll just, it'll just be part of every winter now. Like, that's not how it works. Yeah, Dang. also, if we really wanted to eradicate the flu, we probably could. It's just that the, like, the amount of suffering and resources expended and effort globally needed to do that don't commensurate to its risk. I don't know. I, I mean... Like, I if we locked down for multiple years to try to wipe out the flu, it would have a pretty huge impact on whether we could wipe out the if flu. If we did that young adult novel where you're like, where I like live underground. Yeah, like we don't, it's not a big enough deal for us to take the kind of drastic measures you would need to wipe out the flu. But like COVID is, it's a very serious disease. It's a very serious problem. As we've seen by the massive death toll and the serious lasting health consequences. It's not even that similar. Like the fact that it attacks a similar part of the body is about it. Health consequences that we haven't even seen the end of. Flu does yeah. not give you fucking brain damage. Like, when we're dealing with the fucking, you know, fallout of Chernobyl-style long-term effects of this, yeah, suddenly people are going to be like, man, I guess we should have done basic, logical responses to this in the first place, whether it be using what's available to us, like anti-vaccine or anti-mask. Why are you being so divisive, it. Alex? It's time for us to move on with our lives. Or the fucking international community getting their shit together, not making this a for-profit issue, and just solving it globally at once. There's, there's no other solution. This author makes a move on .org. Let's let's move past COVID. Yeah. <laughs> dwell if you dwell on it any longer, COVID wins. You know how COVID. Right. Won? It's like terrorists. Like we let the terrorists win. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's all. It's also like there's like an appeal to trust science, but it also like yeah. I, I mean, we we've basically already tried all over it, but like science is what also acknowledges all the imperatives that we aren't pursuing right now. That we need to do to deal with emerging variants so it's just like science has has defanged it uh, by uh, positing a bunch of suggestions that no world leader has effectively followed from any major country with influence or control over vaccine supply we're at a peak right now of covid problems like people are wearing n95 masks for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic to my knowledge as a broad policy medical grade right that is the worst it has been so far. It's How not, on earth is this the defanged COVID? Well, because it's not the deadliest it's been. It's just the most viral it's been. Yeah, but that's a huge problem because everyone who harbors it can now generate more variants. Yeah. So but, even if it's not immediately I, the most deadly, it's the most likely to become deadly. That's why, according to this author, it's ineradicable. So I just move on. But that's an insane thing to say. We're at the worst it's ever fucking been. Move on. Yeah, but the GDP, the GDP is fine, Alex. Oh, no, there's an even worse triple subtitle. Humans are social. We need to hug, dance, sing, and recognize each other's faces and smiles. 
I, I think that's the most. That's why people. Need I to think die. that's the most convincing part of the headline. To be honest, is this some like <laughs> fucking hippie like best of the worst tape title? What the fuck's going on? No, that's, that's true. We need to socialize. Like it's terrible for our mental health, but we won't be able to safely until we fucking deal with COVID. That's afraid. Also, explode. you can. Yeah. If you're if you're vaccined and wearing a mask, you can hug and dance and sing. Like I don't see the problem. Everyone who frames this as like everyone who wants to just survive and keep their grandparents from being murdered, they must hate love. They also, must hate dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine, Alex? I'm looking at you, and then you put on a mask. I'm like I don't know who this is. I can't. I can't recognize you. Really? Yeah, it's a black mirror. I just blur oh. out. Yeah, it's, it's it's absurd. I mean, it's again, like the McCoyles with the, he's got the eye patch <laughs> on, and, or the, he's we, got the fake mustache on. We do not become like English Civil War Puritans who despise singing and dancing because we don't want to die. That leads to witchcraft. Like there, this is a either intentional or baffling subconscious confusion of what the argument here is. Everyone likes those things. It's whether we can do them without killing our family and ourselves. And anyone who's presenting it other than that is either an imbecile or a self-interested prick. Because it's like it's not like anyone's been sitting indoors in their fucking like mini fallout shelters, like fucking fighting over toilet paper, going, "This is wonderful." Yes. And two I will, more two more weeks till dance dies forever. Yeah. I will leave it up to the audience to read this article and decide whether the author is an imbecile or a monster. And sometimes it's both options. Yeah. Yeah. But like, like, fuck off. We already know they're a monster because they called it ineradicable. But once again, I said there's a caveat that maybe they're saying that from like a commentary perspective, not a whatever. Let's move forward. As a country. Uh, Oh, this is a great one. This from Newsweek. Video of Kirsten Cinema shaking hands with GOP senators after vote. The vote to kill the. Uh, uh, what was that bill? Filibuster bill. Uh, the, no, the voting rights one. Oh, good. Isn't it great when you're <laughs> when the fucking who you think is like an ally you know boromir is like shaking hands with alerts don't worry i didn't think she was an ally what i'm saying is someone who's supposed to be an ally but has the whole time been working their own end i remember the first like primary season she was in and everyone was so incredibly excited to get this young progressive bisexual woman in who was going to be the next like aoc and it turns out she's like the most corrupt person we've got in there in the long time. It's really incredible. I mean, she had, yeah, she had like on paper all the background, like, you know, experience with like fi- financial distress. You know, she had a progressive identity and in ball terms and just, you know. Ab- why didn't it work? Why didn't it work? What are we missing? She sure. literally started her career in the Green Party and then rose as a progressive advocate. Like she, she sold out harder than I think anyone has sold out in recent history. It's kind of incredible. It's like it's like she found the one ring and just like was supernaturally turned. Yeah. And yeah, and she chose to vote against the John Lewis Act. She's not even born here. She's Isildur. Yeah. She yeah. had the opportunity and she just didn't throw it in. Oh, the the first yeah. Dipshit, yeah. Elrond is like Bernie. Is Bernie Elrond is yeah. like, come on. Do it, do do the progressive advocacy, and she turns on. No, suck my dick. Yeah, like I, I, she has tracked from in America, like in an American framework, the actual left to center right, and over like in less than like a decade. The only way this could have been better if she was shaking their hands in the bathroom. 
Yeah. Under, under, the, under I, the stall. Even I was like, man, I'm glad she got elected when she actually got elected. That was only a decade ago. She seemed pretty awesome, and she's apparently a massive fraud. Yep. It's just amazing. All right, where do I want to go next? There's Unless you whole, got me thoughts on it, Aiden. Just there's a whole news cycle like this. Um, the last time that, that she got press because like she she went to like Mitch McConnell first and she, like gave him like a friendly smile after she flirtatiously voted no on some progressive bill. You know, it's uh it's who she is now. And uh it is it is kind of amusing that like this is still news anyway. Obviously it's not really, but that this could even be be worth uh digital ink on a digital page. All right, well, I've got an amazing story about a another uh, congressman. This also from Newsweek. Video shows Representative Dan Crenshaw argue with young women for criticizing him at PAC meeting. Now, I know the details of the story. Have any guesses as to what this young woman was criticizing him about? Keep in mind, it's a it's a right wing PAC meeting, so everyone in there is a, is a, is a Republican. So she is also a Republican. Yes, the twist. Probably stealing valor or something. No. He's always like he's always posing as if he's even more of like a military badass than anything he actually did. So I could definitely see some like angry military mom being like, "You're stealing my son's valor." Uh, Aiden Ubiges, I know the story. So I okay, cool. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's, it's even wilder than that. So <laughs> she accused him of being a fake Christian. Yeah, that's probably true because. Recently, Dan Crenshaw went on the most cringeworthy podcast in the world, uh, Jocko Wilnick's podcast. Oh. Jocko Wilnick is this bizarre uh, former, like, U.S. Navy Marine. Um, uh, and, like, all his videos are in black and white because he's super serious. Okay. He, he, he wrote Very this insane cool. book about, like, extreme ownership. You have to own your beliefs. He's, he's out of his mind. But they're having so a discussion. He's, he's a big NFT guy. Yeah, they're having a they're having a Peterson esque discussion about like archetypes. Oh god! And so, Peterson. how the fuck did Jungian archetypes make it into like the yeah. neo Nazi so, realm? Because so Peterson, weird. everyone liked him, uh, even though he's like dying. Whatever. So we'll get to him <laughs> later, maybe. Is he a uh, Bolsonaro now? This Jocko episode is four hours long. Yeah, he yeah he's trying to be even more right wing Joe Rogan, which is and Joe Rogan's like, no, I'll 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 go to the right. Okay. So here's what they said in the podcast. Holy shit! This just I know it's wild. It's like my Aaron Rodgers story. So I can Dan Crenshaw was talking about archetypes, and he's like, you know, art, you know, protect, you know, heroes are like convenient fictions, like Superman and Jesus. No, he didn't say it exactly like that. And the way the phrasing, he said Superman is a fiction. He said Jesus before that. And so this woman in the audience was like, "You said Jesus was a fiction. You're not a real Christian." And it was amazing. And she was like, yeah, caught, "Caught with his fucking pants down." Yeah, all right. Yeah, he said it. I mean, no, there is a way to interpret as what he was saying is, you know, Jesus was a good guy and people and characters like Superman are good guys, uh, you know, but he, but Superman's a fix. There's, you can interpret it either way, but people are interpreting it very ungenerously to make him seem like he's not Christian. He may be, he may be not. I don't really care. But yeah, but I just thought it was really it, funny. It's great because it's the same way that he would interpret anything that was to him. Yeah. Why would he give him a charitable reading? He doesn't give anyone else charitable readings. And also, he almost certainly is not like devout. The guy's like a complete narcissist. People who are that narcissistic have trouble believing in gods because that requires you to put someone else above you like this is what the reason trump couldn't be religious is because there, there cannot be a god larger than trump so well, like, i don't know alex you're, you're forcing my hand to the next story oh, am I'm, i mm -hmm. i'm terrible 
Yeah, especially since as much as we rag on it, like a lot of the central tenets to of Christianity uh, do not espouse selling out your constituents for wealth. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is if you're like a gospel, you if know, you're a prosperity, prosperity well, gospel. Yeah. Selling out. No. But what about buying out <laughs> this from NBC News? Georgia pastor and wife charged with false imprisonment after people found in locked basement. False imprisonment? Investors? Like unlawful? Yeah. Investigators determined that eight people in the basement all with mental or physical disabilities, or both, were essentially imprisoned against their will. What the fuck? Is this like the road or something? It's so bad. Wait, they literally kidnap people with disabilities in their church and lock them in a basement like a rap song? Because they're a church, they're running a quote-unquote group home, even though it's unlicensed. Why are they uh, locked in? Uh, so they got a call. The, the The fire department got a call about someone having a seizure at the premises. And when they were there, they noticed a deadbolt on a basement door. And they're like, mm, this is fishy. So they called the police to come investigate. Uh, so what it was, the fuck? It's really bad. Uh, where is it? Uh, the, ba- uh, the This family, the Bankstons, this pastor controlled the finances, medications, oh, and public benefits of the people they were keeping in the basement and had sometimes denied them their medications and medical care. Yes, yeah, so what do you think about uh, using God as justification to kidnap people and steal their, like, social security? I mean, it, yeah, it's like a person, you know, while, while plenty of, of pastors are, are just good community members, it affords you a kind of uh, a credibility and a point of authority to to you know manipulate people. It's it's the reason that there's such a a reputation um, from you know religion critical people of religion being like a, a a haven for hucksters and stuff beyond kind of whatever philosophical or intellectual criticisms you have because it's just like a yeah an immediate reason to cede trust to someone else and. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there are many of people like this, although hopefully not all as as horrific as this. No, these people are obviously deranged. Over a dozen people locked in the basement. I mean, the 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 stealing benefits is the least surprising thing of all of this. Like the fact that they actually took the took the initiative to imprison these these people is truly fucked up. This is like Joseph Fritzl shit. This is like this is like kidnapped in the rape dungeon yeah this is serial killer shit what the actual fuck i mean look i'm not exactly the most pro-religious person you're gonna with, but even i find this shock this is this is insane i'm just grinning Uh, how did they think this was gonna end what they you know they're allowed, to, they're allowed to feed the sick and homeless and poor. That's their job. That's what yeah. Christ told them to do. I thought they'd start like a ministry in Puerto Rico. Don't you remember? Don't you remember in the New Testament when Christ says, "Take their social security benefits and their Medicaid"? Yeah, that's that's why he was such a socialist. R- yeah, render <laughs> render their Medicaid unto you. <sighs> let, let let he who is without sin cash the first fake check. There it is. All right. Beautiful. Well, let's move up north to Canada. This from The Hill. Religious leaders push back against Canada's conversion therapy ban. Quote, ultimately, the dissenters, 
the ones who will not cave in are going to be those who are faithful to the Bible. Who is who's being quoted? I don't know. <laughs> Putting That's a quote with no attribution is not very That's helpful. Subtitle. I don't know. Who, I'm not going to read the article. I'm just saying because it has quotes in it. Is all I'm, saying. I'm sure it's a quote from somewhere in the article that I'm not going to read. Some religious crank, you know, is the is the attribution. Yeah, it's kind of like saying ultimately those who are religious are religious. Okay, thanks. Talks about uh, conversion therapy. I actually didn't realize Canada banned that. Good for you, Canada. We should really have done that a long time ago as yeah, well, because it's evil. The UK is also in the process of banning it. Because it's not a real thing. Like, There's no medical... Even besides the ethical problems of sending children to a place against their will and performing... Oh, it's not only children. Well, what I'm saying is send, send, especially children, but sending anyone to a place against their will. Even besides the problem of saying like we're going to convert someone for something that's not bad in the first place, it doesn't work. So it's, it's, it's completely pointless. It's like sending them to the... High, Droxochloroquine farm or like the ivermectin farm. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't productively change anything. You know what is permanent and you know what does work on the human brain? Sure. Trauma. Well, yeah, exactly. They got plenty it, of that to dish It out. has permanent effects, just not the ones they want. <laughs> or is it? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> the, the whole thing's a troll. Like they're just trying to traumatize people and not make them not gay. Like, or just ruin their lives. Well, that, they, they succeeded already. Um, yeah, wild. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. The I maybe I've gotten too dark too quick. I mean, it's like, what do you say about this? It's just bad. I mean, it's just bad stuff. Bad people, bad. bad people do bad, bad things. This is bad. I've 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 graded this an F on the goodness scale. <laughs> I just want to remind people. Now I know this is probably Protestants because they're the ones who tend to do this the most, but definitely some Catholics do this. This is a country which, like, a few years ago at the most was digging up the mass graves outside of Catholic high schools for indigenous people. Where, like, they found the hundreds and thousands of children who were murdered by Catholic nuns and, and by uh, Canadian missionaries. Is this really the time to be pushing in on how faithful you are to the Bible and how good that will be for people who don't want it at a location they couldn't choose to go to or not? Really, this is the moment to have that conversation, Canada? How much? I, I, I would be willing to put some amount of money on a wager that the centers are like from America. They're not even Canadians. It's just like, yeah, exactly. it's just like some, some Coke backed religious nut job group. Oh, it's Coke backed. All right. Yeah. yeah. Got him. One way or another. Yeah, Carrie Fisher backs this bill. Uh, yeah, it's really, all right. it's really amazing that this is like, I know that Canada is very similar to America in many ways, but this was not an issue I thought would, would migrate there to that degree. Because this is a kind of an evangelical like psychosis that certain parts of America really got into. It's especially like a Southern Baptist thing or like a weird kind of uh, culty Christian thing. I don't, like, I know there are weird ass Christians in Canada. I just made fun of the whole thing a moment ago, but like, I hate when I see American culture exported like this. Like, like watching Ninja Turtles or something, like, fuck off. This, this is the <laughs> worst part. That's all we do, though. Stop, stop taking the evil shit. Like this is we hate it. You shouldn't be admiring any part of it or replicating any part of it. I don't know. Like, am I am I missing something? Was did like other countries independently come up with gay conversion therapy? Because that sounds remarkably specifically American. I don't I don't think we invented it, no. In fact, it screams to me like UK origin. Like it's the 50s. 
Yeah, but their shit was more like eugenics, right? Like frying like Turing's balls, and you know, yeah. But chemical castration—they probably tried conversion on him. He's like, it's not taking, so they got to take your nads. Chemical castration by the state, though, was seen as like a secular eugenicist policy, which is also disgusting. But why like, would secular people care about gay people being gay? Because the UK government was fucked. Is that, like, is that surprising? Because they're like reactionary as hell, and they just didn't like gay people. Yeah, I just don't uh, see the connection to secular. What I'm saying is the UK government is not a religious institution. I mean, technically, there's the English. Like, there's a fucking state religion. There is a state religion, but it's not. That's not why they were doing that. Their fucking motto is "God save the Queen." There wasn't like an Anglican pastor coming in to cut off his nads like that. You don't it know. It wasn't directly related. The the UK state was doing it in a secular capacity, whereas this is like private religious institutions in the US who almost always are the ones doing it. So this is very weird. It's it's weird that this like American religious cultural fetish that was insane from the very beginning is spreading. I just don't think we're that unique though. I don't think it's a uniquely American thing. I mean, I don't know. Western world. Uh, yeah, whether it's like a, 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 a extremely creepy like concern for population growth or it's just the I think more common. No, fact. it's just the moralizing. It's just that we don't like sin. We want or, to undo. Sin. Or, or you think, or like you think about gay sex once, and you're like, that seems gross to me as a straight person. I'm going to make my entire treatment of people who identify that way uh, terrible forever. It's just the immiseration of people in in front of God, so we can be happy. All right, let's move to the NFT corner. You've all been waiting for it. You all knew it was coming. This from Yahoo News and another from NBC Sports. Indonesian college student becomes millionaire after putting his selfies up for sale as NFTs as a joke. And then from NBC Sports. We trained him wrong as a joke. <laughs> NFT of Antonio Brown exit video yields only $20,000. Oh, wow. That one made me sad because it's one of the most epic rant tirades quitting of a team who well, had the rights to that video to even sell it as an nft were they the cameraman were they the company probably, what the fuck are they probably the about? the tv production I mean, people who aired the game are, I don't are know. the fucking like tv networks getting in on nfts of course yes god damn it obj took half his salary in crypto and he's getting fucked right now it's amazing oh god yeah ubisoft is releasing nfts we are being consumed like anus up by grift. Oh, don't and, worry. We're... And gibberish. All right, so what do you think about this uh, Indonesian college student who's like, my life sucks. Here's the selfies I've been taking for an art project I was going to do. Yeah, good for him. It's the, same, way I feel about the, it's the yeah. same thing I feel about the fucking OnlyFans nurse. Good, good for you. You fi- figured out a bizarre scam and made it work. For it's the, it's, it's a, possibly the perfect critique of NFTs. That he did it as a joke. Well, that's well, the whole like fucking Doge coin is a joke, and now it's worth money. That, that all this shit is a joke that turns real. There's no logic to it at all. It just it's just you know it's a gambling. That's all it is. And and like you know large gambling institutions, it's weighted towards a few who have figured out how to game the system and make the most money, as in the the casinos themselves. Um, and some people will will randomly get get wealthy. Now anyone could be the casino. Now this, one uh, in one hundred thousand people can maybe be the casino for a day. This reminds me of all those insane myths and folklore that are like, if a camera takes a picture of you, it steals your soul. (laughs) Because now it's like we're literally selling the soul as a joke, but then sometimes it works. So it's like, okay, I'm selling one soul, and you take like a selfie. I don't, I don't, like... What are you talking about, soul? Well, because there's, there's, 
when when photography was first invented, a whole bunch of different people and a whole bunch of different cultures simultaneously came up with this fear of like if you showed up on the photo, then like your soul was being stolen. <laughs> um, and so the idea that NFTs are literally images, in this case, even of you yourself as like a selfie, and you could sell it almost has like a um, Faustian bargain, like satanic mm. exchange vibe to me. But that's literally what people were afraid of. And now we're leaning into it because it's cool. He's the Indonesian Dorian Gray. I mean, like uh, NFT is just like the, the newest kind of NFTs are kind of just the newest um, grift. I think the the, gro the grosser aspect of them in like comparison to cryptocurrency is is the is the kind of industrial transformation of art as purely a a um, financial commodity like that its worth is only um, equal to its its trans you know transactional um, appeal or cost which obviously you know art has been being sold for millions of dollars for for many years now but yeah but usually because rich people think it's good yeah exactly so now it's just like, oh, this this deviant art pick is only really worth worth any money if I can steal it and sell it as an NFT. I don't know. It's just it's all very sleazy and gross. Every part of this is both gross and dumb. Yeah. But the idea that like some random Indonesian college kid is like take my Facebook photos and someone's like three million. <laughs> and then Antonio what? Brown, one of the best and most famous football players in the league, with his most epic tirade and like controversy yet, it only gets twenty grand. It's madness. It shouldn't even get twenty grand. Every part of this is madness. I'd pay twenty grand for that. A, you can get that video for free yeah, at any time. Oh, no, you're right. I actually, I just, I download the video. Okay. Yes, <laughs> it's not worth anything. What, what, uh, the actual like brain poison is making us say something like it's only worth twenty thousand, which makes sense only in context, okay. but the context is gibberish. Yeah, but you know what? Let's give credit to the headline. It doesn't say worth twenty. It said yields twenty. So yeah. they're admitting that it's not twenty thousand dollars of quality. It just that's what it got at market. They they tilled the fields, they planted the NFT seeds, and they only yielded twenty thousand dollars of produce. <laughs> Insanity. So NFT stands for non fungible token. We've all seen this video, or we all could see it if we haven't seen it yet. That is that's fun. That means it's fungible. Well, you don't have extreme ownership of it. Yeah, it's not it's not verified in the blockchain. I, I, take take a video of my colonoscopy and then put it on there and see how much money I can make for it. Like, it that was the most Alex, insane garbage, Alex. That would sell. <laughs> yeah, and you know anyone who would buy it, I wouldn't want to sell to. Those videos are crazy. I've watched some videos of like the doctor who has this crazy camera and like robot device where he sticks it up your ass. It's amazing. He's got yeah, the rope someone's thing. like, I will pay you fifty thousand dollars for your ass. He's got okay, the okay. wire thing just to. Strangle and kill the polyps. It's amazing. Fucking that skill required is nuts. When when feminism and and other forms of like uh, progressive uh, response to modern culture came up with things like objectification, I didn't think it was going to be this literal. But we are literally like parceling ourselves out into f like semi fungible representations of ourselves. The the cultural zeitgeist is experiencing final brain death. Yeah, but he didn't like cut his nipple off and sell it to someone. It's just an image. He didn't actually take anything from himself. Yeah, and this is why you should invest only in the tungsten cube because it's real. But like, is he violating copyright now merely by existing because someone owns his likeness? No, huh. no, he owns his likeness. They're buying to own an image of his likeness. Yeah, I think he, his soul has been captured. He's the one getting paid because he owns it's his like likeness. The non, non refundable image likeness. Yeah. All right. Well, in the sea of madness and me eating an apple. Let's please, move to a. Please don't. I'm sorry. Let's move to a voice of reason. I somehow doubt that's where we're going. From oh, Jacobin. 
my favorite news source. source. Cryptocurrency is a giant Ponzi scheme. Correct. Next. All right. Let's move forward. The only, the only outlet I actually buy a physical form from anymore. They have a physical form? Yeah. yeah they're, mag- they're a magazine. I never know that. Uh, all right. Back to Newsweek. Mm-hmm. Going to be good, I'm sure. We're going to agree with it. <laughs> Someone else read it. Okay. CEO pay is not a systemic problem in America, opinion. This one's got one, some- one word off, and they almost had a good headline. <laughs> uh, is America the, the, the bad word? Yeah. Because it should be the world? No, it's just the word not. Yeah, yes, yes. In case that wasn't obvious. The CEO pay is systematic problem, not. Was this written by the CEO of Goldman Sachs? What was it written by by Wormtongue? Uh, no, it's actually worse than that. It's written by this dumb lady who said, "I read an amazing article from the former CEO of GE, and he really convinced me." Oh, there you go. I spoke to the ghost of Henry Ford. So we're reading the fucking scraps of some better thinker who was self interested that she's right, filtering through for us. Yeah, she is the plankton feeding on the fucking leftovers. I, I don't know. This is garbage. No, I'm at, I'm doing the gay conversion therapy. I'm just at the point where I'm shocking your balls. Why Why do you need this as an opinion? The vast majority of Americans are either A, totally not sold on this and never going to be convinced, or B, totally sold on this and they love it. Who is this for? They're trying to convince the, 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 the Ken Bones. Yeah. You have to but throw the Ken Bones and see how they roll. Simply work. 200 plus times harder than your average worker. 200? More like 350. That's where the average is going. Yeah, give me 350. The best I can do. Oh, by the way, she's a resident fellow at Harvard University's Kennedy Institute of Politics. Yeah. Surprising. And she looks like a bald eagle. I'm banging oh, my forehead. That was, that, noise? My that was a really unpleasant noise. That was me banging my forehead against my mic. <laughs> Interest to like a gorilla's song. Right. Uh, I think we'll save the Supreme Court stuff for a couple minutes. In the interim, let's go to culture. Oh, oh savor these minutes, yeah. ye lucky few. From Yahoo, Joe Millionaire contestant immediately sent home after developing feelings for a crew member. You hear what's about the, this? What's the problem? It's a really funny story. Is, what, is Joe Millionaire like a a, a, like a pun? So that... 20 years ago or more, uh, there was this stupid new reality show called Joe Millionaire, where they got this hot hunk, and they did, it's, a, it's you know The Bachelor, it's that premise, it's like one guy mm-hmm. is a bunch of women trying to date him and get to know him and he'll pick one eventually to go out with as he like eliminates them one by one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the twist here is that they, the, the the reality TV studio lies or or fake lies to the women that he's a millionaire. So they're trying to tease out the like classism yeah. of the women, but it turns out he's like a po- you know poor college dropout at the end. And, but because they love each other so much, it doesn't matter. The money doesn't matter. But how do you run a show like this when you're like, oh, I'm going to that show where they lie to you? Because they record it beforehand with a different name. They don't tell them until it's all. But isn't this like entrapment? No, they're voluntarily signing up for a reality show. But to, I'm just but, saying it seems like this point. is against basic ethics. Yeah, but but all of reality TV is against basic ethics. That's not the point. Like, I couldn't do this in the academy, is all I'm saying. No, because it's not a scientific study. <laughs> this, is the, fucking... this is not informed consent, is all I'm saying. 
but but, but you're, you're 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 begging the question, which is they know in the first place because it's a whole fucking lie, because it's a scam, because it's reality TV. Oh, okay, so so it is still fraud. Okay, all right. It's Only reality TV frauds. But the, but the reason I like this article so much is because this this woman on the show, she looked at one of like the boom mic guys, like one of the cast, the crew rather, who's got like a vest on, he's got a mask on, and yeah, she's like, I think he's woman? cute. What? Wait, how is it a woman on Joe Millionaire? What are you missing? There's one man and there's 15 to 20 women who are all vying for his love and affection. Oh, and one of the contestants, not, not the Joe. What? Yes. Is it the main guy or is it one of the women who developed these it feelings? One of the women whose job is to fall in love with the guy Got it. said, nah, fuck him. I like one of his random crew members. I think he's cute. I just figured he was a contestant too. And they kicked, no, there's, no, there's one guy. And they kicked her off the show because, like, you're not fitting with the narrative. You're not falling in love with the right guy. Well, why couldn't she still play act the narrative while having feelings for someone else? <laughs> I guess she was over it. She's like, I want to, I want to go date this guy. Seems harsh. No. It's, it's funny. There's like a, it's like a glitch in the Truman Show where they're like, no, you have to remember when Truman Show starts breaking down because, like, his wife actually cares yeah. and tries yeah, to have yeah. him escape. It's like that. Like, it's a, it's the system's falling apart because the woman's not falling in love with the guy who they, she's supposed to. How did I get 20 years without hearing of this name, Joe Millian? It was very popular when we were kids. I mean, it's right in the 2000s, like the whole new advancement in reality TV kind of birthed the genre. What did you have, in? It just feels like the title should be Joe Millionaire Contestant Fumbles the Bag. I mean, why? <laughs> why? I mean, you could date quietly, just you know, go along with the stupid setup that you've agreed I, to. I think the twist with this one, though, is there's two guys and one is rich uh -huh. and one is poor. And the women don't know which one is which. Oh my oh, god, that sucks even more. It's bad. Of course, it's evil. It's TV. But my point is, I just like that this woman was like, "Fuck your system." Is this Rachel Vinson? I don't know. Probably because if so, it says quit. It's the only one that wasn't eliminated. Yeah, they basically fired her. They, They're a thirty-year-old like, attorney. Why do they need to marry the money? If she's fine. Anyway, watch to date the cute crew guy. I'm not saying it's more power to her. Why not? I know. I think it's great. It's, it's. I just like that she bucked the reality TV system. I think that's cool. Anyway, you go, Rachel. Hope you find happiness. Date that cameraman. <laughs> or must whoever. Have, must okay. have been quite the grip. This from WVBT Virginia, which is like a local radio channel in Virginia. Governor Yunkin, the governor of Virginia, oh, God. he hit the fucking triple crown, signs executive actions, ba one, banning critical race theory, two, yeah. appointing the new, a new parole board, three, ending school mask mandate, and four, ending vaccine mandate for the state employees. Do they understand what, like, the First Amendment is? He hit the grand slam of conservatives' wackery. You can't just, like, ban thought? Banned. I don't even know the. I don't know how you would do that. Like what? What like Spanish Inquisition shit are they going to cook up to ban people thinking about a thing? No, they're going to eliminate it from the curriculum. Yeah, I don't think you can do that at a college level, which is the only place it was even being taught. No, it's, it's they're trying to teach in high school. Yeah, they're, they're just the whole be... debate is trying to teach this stuff earlier so that people don't go. America's amazing. Then they go to college like, oh god, America's evil. And because it hasn't happened yet, what they're actually going to do with this happening now is they're just going to say, hey, you can't you can't give students books written by black authors anymore, okay? 
I mean, yeah, like what? That's basically what they're saying. Like, this is not a well-defined thing. This is not like okay, we're banning uh, history. Like, they're not they're not banning like a subgenre that is easily identifiable in that way, which they couldn't do anyway. But like, it's it's like a loose collection of vaguely progressive people analyzing our culture and history and country from several different perspectives all over the place. Not happening. How do you ban that? And what does that even mean? How do you Cancel. determine what is CRT? It's just a cover for, yeah. Do they talk about slavery? Banned. You're, it's just saying you can't be a leftist of you any kind. You can't learn real history, correct. Yeah, like, okay, good luck. You can't actually enforce that. Coming from Virginia, one of the original and most important states in the entire union that has usually been on the left side of most things for much of its history. Well. Not anymore. Not the Civil War. Yeah, it, I, it, I know, but it's been completely swallowed by like a deep South ideology. Maybe I'm thinking two, 200 years ago, whatever. Also, uh, it's, I mean, almost everyone was from it because it was like the biggest early state. Yeah. So you got the best and the worst coming out of basically there in Massachusetts. And that's, I think, their best or the worst. But yeah, I mean, it's, remember when the Democratic Party was super excited because like Tim Kaine was going to deliver them Virginia forever? And it was going to be like a, a beacon of like young Vietnamese couples or whatever. And suddenly it's going to turn into a democratic stronghold. And now it may as well be Alabama. Good work. You did it. Neoliberals, take a bow. You've secured America's future. Any change is a good change. Yeah. Well, according to Business Insider and Mitt Romney, let's hold up and wait a minute. From Business Insider, Senator Mitt Romney says Biden was elected to stop the crazy and argues that voters weren't asking him to transform America. You, you see, whenever we vote and the new president gets a mandate, Mitt Romney gets to tell us what we were voting for. <laughs> Is Mitt Romney like a soothsayer? How does he know any of this? The he's underpants. Level, he's level 8,000 Mormon. Is, is Mitt Romney sitting down and like he's drawing like tarot cards and he's like, it says here, you were not elected to stop the crazy. Huh, I got that wrong. <laughs> like what you're just making a fucking assertion because you're a republican go fuck yourself why does everyone like mitt romney like i i have to ask this because every fucking media person is just just loves this prick this guy was disgusting even compared to obama and obama's a piece of shit why are we still talking about him he failed to achieve the presidency he's always been a religious crank he did like one good thing which was like do centrist health care in massachusetts he stood up against Trump, Alex. Oh, cool. Who gives a shit? He, he keeps himself <laughs> physically presentable and, and pretended to be, to be Ted Lasso. For I swear to God, if he was ugly, he would not get press. Oh, that's all. Mm, I don't know. Ted uh, Cruz. Ted Cruz is a, yeah, he's a big schlub. Yeah, but Ted Cruz gets press because he's a heel. He gets yeah, heel press. Not because press. he's ugly. No, but Ted Cruz gets coverage because he's a huge cunt. Like, yeah, he gets coverage because people like yeah, that's the heel why Romney gets too. Coverage too. No, Mitt Romney gets coverage if he's not a heel. Well, everything's evil to me, so he's evil. I mean, that's the correct, that's the correct diagnosis, but... Uh, yeah, fuck, like, fuck. Fuck's sake. Neo-Marxist. <laughs> or, yeah. Biden was not elected to be a neo-Marxist that he's being. That's basically what... That's basically what our uh, our Mormons who say is, is saying. I'd like to point out that transforming America is like keeping it from degenerating further in like two of 20 places by maybe, maybe preventing some of the voter fraud that the Republicans are 
intentionally perpetrating across the country or maybe stopping the filibuster from preventing people from actually nominating Supreme Court justices or whatever. Like, the, Biden hasn't even succeeded at stopping the bleeding, let alone changing the body. So, but Alex, haven't you what? heard the good news? We're going to save the court. Uh, I, I was giving you a, a, a segue. So. This from CNN. May as well write in on it. Justice Stephen Breyer to retire from the Supreme Court, paving way for Biden appointment. And just, yeah. like, just like that, Breyer is, is, has, has ascended past Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yep, wasn't hard. That's how you do it. He was already being a smug son of a bitch about it, too, because like early in the series, like, I can't say whether I'll be retiring. Yeah. It's like, all right. Well. Right, because Breyer was the one that did all these insane articles, like, let's use reverse psychology on him. Yeah. But still, the, the funny thing is, even though he is a smarmy piece of shit, he's by far the most left, or was before the two two women. Yeah, are. before the before the other like, two. Yeah. He's the most liberal fucking. Yes, guy. he is because he's like a mainstream Democrat. <laughs> yeah, he's like but Clinton. Like, That's yeah. impressive. I know. But every article for the last like year was like, uh, maybe if we have his wife withhold sex, then he'll retire. You know, like it was like it was like every insane tactic they could think of to try to get this guy to just do like the common sense decent thing. So maybe he just got like peer pressure. Yeah. What do you bet? Who, who knows? What do you bet that like uh, Joe Biden sent him an email like you, you stupid son of a bitch? If you don't retire, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna be mad, Jack. I'm gonna call you a dumb son of a bitch in public if you don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not really a, a fan of Breyer, but I'm certainly certainly glad he made the right choice here. It's all on a great. It's all on a scale. I'm, oh, we're, I'm gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna name an ice cream after you, Mac. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a fan <laughs> of any pseudo religious unelected. Yeah, the, 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 being in charge of anything. But Breyer was overall a fairly good justice during his time. Better than RBG, as we've again, the bar is not high because most justices are fucking monsters but, by our ethical. But here's principles. the thing. Okay, right, so you're playing limbo, and the bar is at like eight feet. So most people should be able to just walk right under it. Right. But we consistently have people trying to slam their head on the top. Yeah, of it. it's Thurgood Marshall. You know, it, like set the bar in the first place, and now you've got like. Every every piece of shit like leaping to try to slam it. They all think it's a long, it's a high jump competition, not a limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pole vaulting. Yeah, at least he he walked straight through the limbo bar instead of shooting the people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to do pull ups on it. All right, but well, the, yeah, I mean, this is obviously a good thing. Is it in time? Probably not, actually, because he's saying he's going to retire at the end of his term. Whatever that means. It, no, it won't be before Biden has to get reelected. It better be really quick because if, forget Biden reelected. It better be before the midterm or else it's going to be, he may not control the Congress to even get a replacement. Yeah, but even if he does control Congress, he's not going to get a good replacement. Well, exactly. Well, that's the other problem. No, no, no. Didn't you hear? Biden has, has promised to it's elect be a black, black woman. woman. Yeah, choose a black woman. I, I fucking despise when they start. Oh, don't worry, we got a story on that. Like that before they've even made the pick. It's like, yes, we know your virtue signaling. No one is surprised. Stop it. Ooh, what if they get Stacey Abrams? What if they get Kamala Harris? <laughs> I just, uh, is that allowed? Can you send someone from the Please, vice president's platform? God, no. <laughs> uh, that would be so funny. Not really, not really funny, but kind yeah, of. Yeah, you know what's really funny? Gorsuch. This is from MSNBC. Gorsuch derides the so-called separation of church and state. Oh, my God. <laughs> but the court isn't filled with partisan hacks. What, what was, what, what, what's that called again? Where people like, we only read the Constitution, the only thing that matters. What's, yeah. what's that called again? I mean, there's a lot of terms. but Textualism. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, 
I'm, I'm sure you guys know the actual detail, well. but like the yeah. separation of church and state is so well established, it's it's laughable. I mean, it's fucking pre-constitutional and post-constitutional. Like it is so baked into the identity of this country that Gorsuch can just deride it and laugh it off as some like fucking tacked on thing in the sixties is one of the most infuriating things I've read this week. You can <laughs> gore suck my nuts. Yeah. I mean, this is something that the, the founders got from the enlightenment, which was brewing out of essentially hundreds of years already of philosophy and, and contemporary political thinkers. You've got, you know, the Voltaire's and the Montesquieu's and the, and the, uh, sort of late, late, uh, Renaissance and, and enlightenment thought at that time. This has absolutely nothing to do with modernity, actually. Like, this comes from a period in European history in which Protestants and Catholics were butchering each other, and the thinkers of the time said, what if we didn't do that? And in order to not do that, you can't have an official state religion or else you're going to keep fighting over which it is. So this kind of, I mean, you have John Locke, who's even, like, basically a reactionary, and even he understood, as is well documented in the letter concerning toleration, that the only way to make conservatives stop butchering each other is to stop deciding who's king conservative and just let everyone be their thing. There, he's literally deriding the heritage of Western civilization, which he which he supposedly cherishes. It's completely insane. Like toleration, uh, like via separation of church and state, is a core Western philosophical canon value. You know how all these people are trying to say, no, no, Jefferson's great. He's our, one of the most important founding fathers. Yeah, this was Jefferson's fucking baby. Yes, oh. this is like the foundation of modern liberalism, which right. includes conservatism. Correct. Like in an international context, right? Liberalism means what it actually means, which is like the capital order of modernity. Pluralistic religious identities living in a multicultural society with no official state religion is the foundation of a modern nation state capitalist order. He, this is like the basis upon which his entire power rests. If you have an official state religion, then you slide back into monarchies and theocracies, and it stops having rule of law in the way that he needs to be relevant. No, we're done with that. We moved on. We're done. Next phase. It's, it's just completely insane. He's like undermining the. He's under, in the name of the Western philosophical canon. He's undermining the entire principle of, the, of it. Like it's so stupid. Yeah, but as we found out from recent weeks, he's not only unprincipled. He's also a petty cunt. Well, yes, that's also true. This from where is this from? Yahoo. Now, I'll let you continue. It just it goes along with this. No, go ahead. I mean, I, I could rant about philosophy for a long time. It's not that interesting. From Yahoo. Neil Gorsuch defied a request from Chief Justice Roberts. To wear a mask out of respect for Sonia Sotomayor, who, even though she's double vaxxed and boosted, uh, and she wears a mask, she has a, she's old, she's like a she's diabetes, diabetes or something, uh, you know, has fairly compromised immune system. And Gorsuch's like, nah. Also, you're not that fucking spring a chicken either, Gorsuch. You're really playing with fire. Oh, that would be fucking cosmic justice. None of these people are young. Like, just, let's get real. The dude's still in his 50s. He's not like immune. Yeah, but he's a, he's in pretty good shape for an old guy. It doesn't it doesn't matter. There's people in like their thirties dying. Anyway, yeah, but he's got infinite health care. It's just it. Yeah, well, what a petty cunt. I I can't. So wait they've they've been COVID. doing Supreme Court hearings, and everyone's there, and then fucking Sotomayor is on like a screen that they brought in. It's amazing. Yeah, that's the only rational thing to do when your coworkers are complete imbeciles. All right. Well, speaking of picking a black woman to be the next Supreme Court justice if, when Breyer steps down, it's also from Business Insider. As one of only two black women CEOs in the Fortune 500, I'm often asked about how to close the U.S.'s racial wealth gap. The key is helping people save for retirement. Thoughts on someone who has totally drank the Kool-Aid? How do they save for retirement? <laughs> 
How do they do that? I will tell you, Alex. <laughs> when I find the article. We just, we pay them a lot more, a fair amount, but we don't give them that money until they're 70 years old. Because again, you can only save for retirement when your needs are met and when you don't have debt. So in order to save for retirement, you need to be making a living wage. Oh, here's the rich one. Uh, she says it's up to policymakers and leaders to build more educational and employment opportunities for people of color. Not her, not the CEO of a financial... You're CEO! Are you not a leader? That's like uh, the definition of your job title. Not up to her, Alex. It's up to policymakers and leaders. You know, leaders. It's up to Jake Paul to solve the UFC's financial pay system. It, it's up to it's up to Gorsuch to decide black people get money. It's so, up to Mitch McConnell to pull cash out of his ass. So is is the conclusion I'm supposed to draw based on what you've just told me and the headline that the problem right now is that people of color are too uneducated and stupid to know how to effectively save their money? They're bad with money. Unlike her, she runs TIAA, a big financial company. Seems like what I'm supposed to draw from this. Yes, I, absolutely. You know, that is definitely the implication. Because if the poor, if poverty is the poor's fault, then fuck them. They're fucked, and that's their problem. Yeah, if, if only if only the state had given them more opportunities for education, not certainly capital, which has yeah. every opportunity cut them off at the, at the knees. If only we further bloated a job market that doesn't exist for the jobs that they would then get with those educations that they then go into crushing debt for. That would on solve a, everyone's problem. On a scale of 1 to 10, how bad PR speak is this? Quote, I believe that public policymakers and corporate leaders can work together to be the change. To be the change? Be the change. Conjugate your verbs, lady. Be the change, Alex. Be yeah, agents of change. Believe, now, conceive, believe, achieve. Yeah, that's like yeah, that's like the Gal Gadot celebrity singing Imagine level. Right. <laughs> yeah, she was trying to be the change. Why'd everyone hate on her? This is handing the cop the <laughs> Pepsi. That's yeah, what exactly. this is. Be just be the change. Just do it. Just be it. What if we could just empathize with the police? <laughs> it's just you know, like really, uh, th these people who are like again two in five hundred, so they obviously know they are the extreme minority, even within an extreme minority. What the fuck do they even think they have to say? Here's here's what the only logical thing they should say is, uh, you're fucked. It doesn't happen. It's two and 500. But it's see, not going to happen. What I think it would be baller for Biden to read this article like, damn, Jack, and pick her to be the next Supreme Court justice. Because yeah. even though she is, once again, fits the demographic, you know where she's not in the majority or not in the minority? Her beliefs, her ideology, her worldview, her belief about what America owes the, the rest of the the world about what people in charge owe the, pe owe the people at the bottom. She is bought in hook, line, and sinker. She believes the exact same thing that the other 498 non-black women believe who run the major companies of the, of the, of the country. More, more likely to die from, from COVID than become a black woman CEO in the Fortune 500. If black women relative to the U.S. population were represented in CEOs, there would be more than 30 black female CEOs in the Fortune 500. The fact that there are two tells you the everything you need to know. She doesn't even have to open her mouth. It's uh, not happening. I have some phrenology to explain it. I am so out. mad that Mike Tomlin is the only current black NFL coach. Very upsetting. Should be like 
15 or 16 or 17 coaches. If you want to know why the U.S. I mean, uh, some of it's just like religious insanity, but like if you want to know why the U.S. is so in love with con artists and like fraudsters and NFTs and scams and schemes, it's because when you talk, literally you get depressed because it's fucked. Because if this one was honest, it would just be no, a tiny elite will manage to, by random chance and inheritance, escape poverty. The rest are fucked, especially if they're in an intersectional problem like being a minority or a woman. Yeah, but you can't say that, right? Yeah, you have you, you know, those things as as despicable as they usually are, are about working through loopholes and you know undercutting the the system. And if you play by the rules of the system, then you get fucked. So yeah, exactly. It's like it's a, it's a desperate grasp onto some small signaling towards a possibility of success, as despicable as it is, and as much as it takes advantage of of um, poor and desperate people and in the cases of con artists and et cetera. But at least, at least out, someone's making it out. Work outside the system. Consider the needs of women and your lower employees. Well, from CNN Business, Microsoft to acquire Activision Blizzard in record $68.7 billion deal. You know, Activision Blizzard, the company run by essentially a sexual assault monster who covered it all up. And the company that is the midst of like its worst PR nightmare ever. I'm assuming purging that guy and, and similar is part of the deal. Ka no, Kodak is not out until another year after the deal is finalized. Oh, if he can't solve the issue, what the fuck? But he is the issue. I I saw be like, the change. Blizzard announced like a new survival game, and I saw some post about how it's just being a female employee working at Blizzard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. We're yeah. just being in the games industry at all. Yeah, seriously. So, so psychological horror. But, but I thought Microsoft was an industry leader, and it was going to be the change. Nah, they spent the most money ever on a fucking probably illegal to the degree of like monopolistic mer corporate merger with the largest, most evil video game company. Well, maybe yeah. be the change. They just interpreted it as uh, nickel and dime you on DLC. Be a change. <laughs> yeah, they're. Yeah, they're 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 rife for an antitrust lawsuit at this point. It's I was I don't really play. I'm amazed this was even allowed to go through any Activision Blizzard game. So I don't like have much of a feeling from like a gamer perspective. But I certainly think it's gross from a yeah from like a monopoly perspective. And of course that yeah. Blizzard the only positive thing about this is that eventually once it's done, Phil Spector will be in charge, and he's actually a pretty smart guy. He'll have more power than Bobby Kotick. I hate that I need to know who these people are to decide whether I'm making a moral hazard when I play a video game. Phil Spector was the head of Xbox. He's a pretty well-liked guy in the industry. Um, then again, he has, he has agreed on a merger with one of the most evil companies in America. So, Like, if I buy a diamond ring, I know I'm probably contributing to, like, limb severance in Africa. If I'm playing a video game, I shouldn't be like, how many people got raped to produce this game? That just shouldn't be a thing I have to think about. You know what? They should be forced to put it in the credits. You know, it's like, you know, game babies and like people who died during the make. Like, how many people got assaulted during the creation of this video game? Fuck's sake. How many lawsuits were filed during the publishing of this video game? It's so sick. Like, they're not even pretending there's consequences. <laughs> they're just saying we're, they're, they're, there's going to be consequences if in a year people still remember what you did exactly <laughs> basically once like, we're done kicking this can down the road if people still care you're gone giving yeah. giving Kodak a, a, a extremely generous severance package was such an easy thing to do but no they, they couldn't even do that they're just like hey yeah you, you stay on we'll give you some time to solve the problem that you are one of the main contributors to 
All right, we're we are we are quickly approaching escape velocity from sanity. We are pr- approaching that now. Yes, from CNBC. I am currently suffocating in zero G. <laughs> so CNBC, we're in the scene where in in uh, Interstellar where he's trying to line up the yeah. the hatch lock thing, and he's like, everyone's passing out. I'm sending messages in sand to you about how insane I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> in, in the in the tesseract. Yeah, from CNBC. Kevin O'Leary reacts to a 29-year-old USPS worker, United States Postal Service, who made over $90,000 last year. Quote, he's done a great job in his budget. So how, you might ask, does this 29-year-old... Who's Kevin O'Leary? Oh, You don't know who Kevin O'Leary is? Mr. No. Oh my god, let me post a picture. Just, to just, just ten words, who's Kevin O'Leary? And you do that while I find a picture. He is uh, a quote-unquote entrepreneur and businessman most well-known at this point for being on Shark Tank. Okay. He's one of the Shark Tank scumbags. Okay. But he's also like one of the most hideous vile men in the world. The American one or the British stuff? Like the, the American Dragon, one, but Dragon's he is not American, stuff. I don't think. Okay. I think he was on Dragon's Den as well. I think he's done okay, I recognize him. I just didn't remember his name. I think he's Canadian. Uh, yeah, he's a he's an absolute piece of shit, as you would expect. But you know. yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. And he's like, you know what? I love this kid's grind. So how does how does this USPS worker make this much money? He does like eight shifts of overtime and extra, you know, one point five times pay by yeah. working every day of the week. He works overtime every day. He spends literally no money. He he lives in like a shack. He spends. He doesn't go to movies. He doesn't eat out. He just gets like lunch on the job and he works himself to death. Rich people talk about poor people as if they are studying insects they've pinned to a board. Yeah, they're doing, like, the, they're doing the fly experiment. The uh, very interesting. Experiment. The reproductive strategy seems to have panned out this season. Like, these are human beings with minds as complex and interesting as your own, if not probably much more if you're this fucker. You, talking about them like it's a fucking natural experiment as this person suffers and dies to, to make a tiny bit more money be, to survive under those conditions is insane. $90,000 means nothing to this person. He's talking about it like it's no, another it's species. Okay. To talk about this as if this is virtuous is also sick, because this is absolutely not something that people should be doing. Like, let, let me cause serious psychological and physical trauma to myself in order to make a, a small amount of fucking change. I, I, have, I have a question. Uh, yeah. Is this illegal? Quote, as a mail carrier for the USPS, 29-year-old typically works 12 to 13 hours a day, oh six God. days a week. During business week, he works about five hours of overtime each day and takes on even more on the weekends. Isn't that a crime? Probably. He works for the USPS. He has government employee rights. Like, he's not it's, an at-will yeah. employee. He's, he can't. Yeah, but he might be arguing that he wants to do it. They're not supposed to let you do that. No, they're not. He lives in Memphis, Tennessee. His base salary is only 41000 I wonder if he has a union rep. But with overtime, he's able to bring in double with 90. He, uh, according to O'Leary, his work ethic is especially impressive. Because I, I, I opened the article and the line that... This guy um, knows how to work hard. Overall, <laughs> o- O'Leary gives Myers a 9.5 out of 10. Fuck off. Bruh. It's not a horse. Again, it, it's, it's turning people who are not like super rich into objects of like fascinated study as if we're on safari. It's, it's just. And I just want to say, this is not some guy who lives on his own, who's just like, 
working working because he loves it or because it's fun. He's he has a kid. He's a young black man. Like I was gonna say, the, the racial element is also sick because this is like an old white man analyzing the performance of a young black. Right. Man this is fucking uh, Mandingo shit. Yeah, it really starts turning into fucking Django Unchained real quick when you start thinking about that. Oh, his work ethic is really good. Look at the amount of cotton that has been acquired by uh, this quarter. What's the fucking difference between a literal slave master and, and a figurative slave master? I, 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 and at this point, he's doing the fucking thing from the other day. We're talking about the work ethic, like the process of work ethic destroying our brains, of thinking that this is like a virtuous thing to be doing to yourself. And like what an 80-hour you- work week. How much you want to bet by having Kevin O'Leary, a giant financial celebrity, and uh, and CNBC covering this story, this somehow fucks up his job. Or somehow fucks up his life with the added media attention, the added scrutiny. I'm sure people are going to be checking his Twitter. I'm sure his uh, employers are going to be double-checking his timesheets. Like, this is not good. It's bad by every measure. Not just the story itself, but the covering of the story itself. It's all disgusting. It's disgusting all the way down. From tip to butt. Again, this is someone who is doing way more than most people even could and way more than he can for more than a few years, most likely. This is not sustainable. This and is not, not a thing you can do endlessly. He's not netting 90 a year. He's no. grossing 90 a year. Yeah. This a lot of that's gone in taxes. Burning yourself out on multiple dimensions to do this is not something that should, quote, this guy's a fantastic role model be he's, something to say. Like, he's it's also, just not that. He's not working at an office. He's walking and, ru- right. and moving. This is like insane amounts it's, of it's, it's, audio it's talking, exercise. It's talking about the guy who like dragged a cross across the country twice and being like, this is a fantastic role model. Look at the cardio. Yeah, all, all the people who do, do their own uh, crucifixion shit that they've obsessed with. Yeah. I mean, I guess he is a role model in that he's, he's willing to work he's willing to literally kill himself to provide for himself and his family but yeah it's it's once again just just honing down onto the smallest most microscopic individual level to completely ignore how unfair unjust and cruel it is that he has to do this in the first place here's my role model john henry everyone should work themselves to death trying to defeat a train it's like uh, okay like here's my role model the guy from Fucking Atlas Shrugged or whatever, Fountainhead. You cannot put on a pedestal the like top 0.01% of energy or effort expended on something that some exceptional individual doesn't go like everyone should be doing this. The vast majority of people could not do this and no one should do this. It's like saying, okay, I'm, I'm working, you know, I'm, I'm studying for my exams uh, 50, 15 hours a day and sleeping for four because I care that much. It's like, no, it's actually harmful to probably do worse you're recommending that someone engages in something that's not healthy for their body or mind so saying that that's in any way desirable is actually very bad you know this is not admirable in any way right you know it's a scalable solution to to fitness in america everyone become a marathon runner right (laughs) it's not a normal thing in fact most people are actually less healthy after they do marathon in fact there's the tie back into jocko and, and joe rogan their fucking best friend like walton this crazy guy goggins He's an ultra marathon runner. He runs a hundred miles. He runs like twenty miles a day. Yeah, yeah. people are out of their gourd. Like this is this is a solution for living a good, upstanding, pleasurable life. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Sorry, not good, folks. <laughs> and and this is even besides the fact that how the fuck are the other workers going to feel 
when their boss is like, hey, he's doing 80 a week. Yeah, this motherfucker doing? is killing union efforts and outpacing his workers he's by double. making it seem as though everyone else is somehow slacking when they're actually already overworked, even their regular fucking 40 hours a week. He being Kevin O'Leary Manley. <laughs> yes, because he's the one advertising this. Yeah, exactly. But Which is any, the goal. The goal any is. manager who sees this and is like, oh, I, sh- I guess I could crank another five hours of overtime out of these people. They've been slacking. It's like, no, you're... You work 10 hours a week, like, yelling at people, shut the fuck up. Like, but that's, that's what we're dealing with here. It's people giving each other excuses to be shitty to the poor uh, once again and try to demand more work of them than they should reasonably be able to, to ask. Also, what's the last point five? <laughs> what else could this po- fucking guy possibly be doing that is not being done with an 80-hour work week? Uh, be not black. He's spending money. <laughs> well, yeah, well, probably. <laughs> or maybe spending money on his kid. He should just give that fuck up for adoption. Yeah, ha- having a kid, that's like a million. Him. He should bring yeah. it with his shift. Having a kid, that's a million down the drain. Bad financial investment. Yeah. Okay, folks. We've got one more. Yeah. We'll see if we achieve Nirvana. <laughs> this from home. Axios. America's youth turn left. Yeah. And here is their evidence. This strange podcast by three guys. They finally, finally overcome overcome the, the Zoolander challenge. Would someone like to look at this graph that they have as the very front of the article? Probably, probably not. But I will. What the actual fuck is going on with this graph? This is you, horribly presented. Did you know that eighteen to twenty nine year olds are voting Democrat more than they're voting Republican? We're turning left, finally. And it's not even as great as the March of 2008. <laughs> and that Joe Biden's now left. Folks, we've done it. Gen Zers are leftists. Known leftist, Kamala Harris. And Joe Biden. America's youth, more and more, wants to eat moldy bread over literal shit. Oh, but our turnout is getting higher. It's almost at 53% amongst this population. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, this is not... Which is abysmal. Like, this is not wrong. Like, America's youth is turning left, but this is a horrible way of explaining or evidencing that. I mean, yeah, like, we, we have some of the highest rates of support for basically, like, social democratic policies in generations, but this is a graph of people who voted for Joe Biden. So what? Like, what? So, this article is consulting with this person, Della Volpe. Uh, I don't know who that is. I don't know why that's relevant or why their name is weird. uh, Are they a fox? But here are their... They say... This person, Della Volpe, says there are five elements that shaped this rising voting block. One, Occupy Wall Street. Two, Donald Trump. Three, the Parkland shooting. What? Four, the chick who recorded the George Floyd murder. And five... Greta Thunberg yelling about climate. The, apparently, those are the five big, re- the big five as to why we're all leftists now. Wait, Occupy why is she talking Wall about the? <laughs> okay, why are they talking about the woman who recorded the video and not the video? Apparently, seventeen-year-old Darnella Frazier and her use of her iPhone to record the murder of George Floyd—that was the important thing, not the cop b- being a murderer. Well, no, but like, isn't the content of the video a little more important than the messenger? No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. Alex. I'm just reading what their shit they're saying. But apparently, the messenger is the important thing. <laughs> well, she was young, so she, you have the fact. Wait, that she's like, she's in the in the block now. 
I would also turn left if I was 17 and I watched police murder people. <laughs> Seems like a pretty normal thing to do at that point. If you're 18, how old were you when Occupy happened? Uh, Five? Eight, seven. Well, Occupy was big in like 2008 to 2012. Yeah. So at the absolute latest, you know, you'd, yeah, you'd be like eight. Which I like, despite the, the good energy behind it, so to speak, I remember as one of the most ineffectual movements in modern history. That got utterly crushed by its foes. Like, I mean, it, ideologically, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but yeah, it, no, it did I mean, not succeed. It, it, was, it was crushed by police. It was crushed by lawyers. It was crushed by, uh, you know, the state. It was crushed by everyone. It was crushed by reactionary, you know, uh, agent provocateurs. It was crushed by being decentralized out of just New York City. Everywhere it tried to spread, it got crushed. Like, it was an immense, not failure in its goals, but a failure in its actual changes to action of holding people accountable. Like, yeah, it, it was it was a kind of a, a, a much less dramatic, like, beer hall putsch. Yeah. The love. Like it was it was an attempt to organize a more radical left sentiment than could really be vocalized openly without being destroyed by the state. Students so was, fighting so for destroyed this by the state. Like, yeah. Students fighting for this kind of stuff in the 60s, it actually worked. The state like didn't figure out how to kill it better. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Occupy Wall Street was so effectively hollowed out by, by media. Was, right, and just like throwing hippies in there and crude super crunchy yeah. rolls, you know. God, what madness. And then also, of course, <laughs> The Donald. All about the, him, isn't it? The Occupy Wall Street thing was important in the sense that it was really the beginning of a sort of modern transition away from simply anti-war sentiments like recognizing economic injustice class, yeah. in our in our current like class based moment. You don't really have like a Sanders run in twenty sixteen without the pre existing frustrations of the failure of the Occupy Wall Street to go anywhere. But still, yeah, I mean I I participated in an Occupy protest when I was down at U Maryland and it just in grad school. Like, yeah. In grad school, but it did not go anywhere because I was literally the only non-student who participated. Because, I mean, technically I was a student as a grad student, but I was, I was the only one who wasn't undergrad. Sure. Everyone else was like, there were like 70, 80 people who were interested in it, even in like just one meeting, which is pretty good for one meeting uh, started ad hoc. And the school basically told us, get off our lawn. You know, this you. lawn that you all pay for to be yeah. on. Yeah. And, and they sent like the mall cops to scare us off. And none of the other fucking teachers wanted to put their neck out or risk any of their salary by participating in what was considered even like a vaguely radical thing. And so everyone just kind of like disbanded. And like, well, what are we going to do? Don't know All those leftist teachers in college. Now, like, is that yeah. a kind of limp dick response to a serious crisis? It is. But like, what do you want people to do? They have to go back to fucking studying and doing their jobs. Like, the, the problem is with, when you don't have more permanent or serious like left-wing institutions that can build power or community organize over time as opposed to just in reaction in a moment yeah it feels ephemeral and it gets crushed easily because you just don't have the resilience to keep fighting it out for long periods of time yeah because you i mean the the because i think i think when you grasp onto the the philosophy the philosophy of basic like class consciousness about the the systemic nature um and 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 sources of economic inequality like that's enough fire kind of in your heart to you know, organized demonstrations and like this, but you, in doing so, you're involving, you're basically pitting yourself against an extremely organized state-backed um, machine of finance and yeah, evil with strategy and with, war with, and with violence, militant um, support and and support structures for crushing you, and you need to have the same, and most people aren't prepared for that. 
because it takes an immense amount of willpower, work, and organization to be prepared to combat that and to weather the horrifically violent storm that you'll 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 eventually face if you if you hold your ground. And you're, you're basically get, outing yourself and making yourself a target. Yeah, you'll you know, just get bulldozed like the many stories we've covered. And one of the most common strategies for the state and for capital to crush these kinds of events is to simply create enough like disincentives to be present through various basically harassment and torture that people get driven away and then they just round up to like 10 percent who are the diehards who stayed and arrest them so if you if you stay then you kind of mark yourself as a victim and if you leave then obviously they've succeeded anyway so they they kind of use uh collective action problems where people don't know whether they should stay or not uh despite harassment and police brutality and everything to break up these protests even though they initially seem like they have thousands of people yep. so yeah you know i mean the what you basically have to do to organize is to literally organize. You have to collectively agree that you're not going to walk off. If you collectively agree that you're going to weather harassment. And it's hard to do that when you're just kind of an ad hoc movement that forms together naturally. Yep. Anyway, right. yeah, there's, lot, there's lots of reasons we're turning left. I mean, I, I don't know I, if I could I, pretend to be. Right, I just think it's point, funny but. that they grabbed all those events and linked them together. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think the fucking Parkland shooting affected. Well, I mean, once again, I fall into this demographic. That didn't change my politics at all. My politics have been well established by all the hundreds of years of evidence and data beforehand. Yeah. Well, you didn't yeah, need I, to like, turn left. Though, changed so. my mind. What? You I didn't need to turn left because you were left. I can't say that any school shooting affected my my outlook on. And we're all very close to uh, to Sandy Hook. Yeah, relatively speaking. Relatively speaking. Fifteen minutes. I mean, it definitely reinforced a suspicion of the gun culture prevalence that we have in this country, as opposed to some leftists and some countries and regions that are like we should have more guns because they want to be ready for like the armed revolution but i don't think it affected whether or not i am a leftist in the first place it i mean columbine was what 1999 oh, yeah. or uh, earlier right remember when you could name one and be like remember that one yeah yeah and it's not like every week there's another one yeah that was a nice time when we thought it was just like goth kids listening to marilyn manson and that's why school shootings were gonna happen and this this article feels like kind of one just like it, it has to fall into the, into the kind of listicle format and like boil things down to a few bullet points because that's what half of articles need to be now. But it also just feels like they're trying to elide the fact that that the current generation senses that society is collapsing and that they need to do something about it or else they'll they'll, they'll literally die. Well, this has been an interesting mixture of, of ideas this is going to be a, a a little longer an episode folks we're oh, going to come uh, back uh, sarah palin got covid last bit of good yeah, yeah yeah we're going to come back in a little bit with a uh, discussion of a film uh just to give you give you a little more culture zone see you in a bit and we're back with our film analysis portion of the podcast this week we watched the what was it 2012 yeah. correct uh film judge dread the sci-fi action film based on the very well-known 2000 ad british comic with the titular character judge dread yeah this one this one was jason's suggestion but we all saw it we all have our our thoughts who wants to who wants to jump in well, well, I I just yeah. like to say I love the film. I've loved it ever since I first saw it. I love the style. I love the acting. I love the premise. 
I'm really into kind of grim, dark, near future sci-fi. It just kind of hit all the right buttons for me. Uh, I like the predictive skills and nature of the comic itself. I think it's a fairly accurate near future representation of what happens if you have nuclear war. There's still going to be humanity left to pick up the pieces. Uh, and it will almost inevitably lead to fascism and barbarism uh, because socialism is too hard, apparently. What are you thinking, Aiden? I, I want to ask you, since you did su suggest this one, was it just because like it clearly has some fodder for political discussion and you enjoy it a lot? Or was there a, a different, like a larger reason for discussion that you, you chose it? No, I just think it's an intrinsically political film. Yeah. And I like the world, I like the setting, and uh, the podcast known as Town did a really good riff on it once. But it's a, it's, a, it's a great film. I mean, I don't know, I just, I like Carl Urban, I like his commitment to doing very few, he, he does very few films, he's very selective, he did a really good job representing this character, literally never taking off his helmet, because that never happens in the comics, unlike the very famous 1990s Stallone version, where it just became a giant ego piece for him. Uh, I don't know. It's it's the action's okay, and it but it reminds me of like a classic nineteen eighties B movie, you know, B action movie, which is what they're kind of trying to replicate, but with modern day aesthetic and CGI and actors and I don't know. I just I, I enjoy it. it. It to me it strikes the perfect balance of just what an action movie should be. It's not too smart. It's not trying to outthink you. It's not trying to trick you. It's got a couple little moments, little twists, little fun things. And it's just a, a nice, you know, it's and it's not, it's just a nice roller coaster ride, and I like that. From a, a film perspective, to me, it feels like the kind of like the love child of like a Quentin Tarantino, Guy Ritchie fusion with maybe yeah. a bit of like Zack Snyder um, special effects mixed into it to yeah. make the, the 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 perfect twenty twelve action movie potion. Um, but it, it, you know, I I also enjoyed it, but kind of I just. I, I think I enjoyed it because I, I also re really enjoy kind of uh, this like not super sci-fi, like near apocalypse kind of setting or dystopian setting. But watching it with like this podcast in mind, it does kind of feel like a like a a, a fascist's a fascist's dream kind of um, action movie because dread is is like, it, it one it kind of it kind of uh projects and and predicts or proposes a a near future where the natural response to collapse is that all the all that all of humanity be, devolves into crime or at least enough devolves into crime to gain control and so only like a extremely violent um almost extrajudicial i mean it is judicial because that's what how the system is set up but you know extremely murderous police force is is the only answer to to rein it in um but then it also layers on this idea like this quote-unquote nuance of well there are going to be bad people in there but the good cop can overcome them and he's the good cop because he he adheres to the already unfair strictures of just murdering people if they're too much too much trouble and i think that kind of adds like the the wrinkle of like trying to make him seem like the good guy, even though up until that point, he's pretty clearly in the gray. But overall, I will, I will say I still enjoy it. I think it's a really fun movie. There's a lot of visual fodder that's enjoyable. Great um, one-liners. Yeah. I, I'm also very impressed how long Carl Urban can hold a frown. I don't think I could yeah. do that. It's yeah. the greatest scowl ever put to film. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, it was funny that the list of people you were saying you thought this reminded you of, like, I, I found this to be such a subdued action film compared to a lot of the ones that I'm familiar with. There was not really that much. Like, there were a lot of explosions. There were a lot of gunfire. Yeah, it's like, got the it's, blood and violence of Tarantino. It felt very kind of methodical and calm. It was almost like, all right, next scene. I'm going to shoot up some guys. Like, there, there didn't, it didn't have, like, the tension or the, or the explosiveness that I was kind of expecting, considering how insane the comic of it is. Uh, and the either pro or anti-fascist, depending on who's directing it, I imagine, uh, premise of, of this hyper-violent, ultra-reactionary cop uh, who's blasting his way through a, a ruined apocalypse. But, yeah, I, I mean, I liked the performance of the, of the leads. I, I thought it was a competently put-together film. I, I don't know enough about the people who made it to like speak to their intentions, but from the experience watching the film, you get the sense that Dredd is obviously very different from us. Like he's, he's purely like lawful. Everything is just by the books. Philosophy is alien to most normal humans because it's almost like mechanical. It's kind of RoboCop style justice. But he, he kind of softens even that over the course of the film with his renegade mutant rookie assistant so like it kind of shows that even he's willing to sort of bend the rules to a degree once he thinks it's convenient so there's like a softer edge to dread for some reason oh, I don't, right I don't know. that reminded me alex i was i was checking the wiki just to remind myself who made the film uh it's produced by alex garland and if you're people might be familiar with that name he's the guy who wrote 28 days later Mm -hmm. um that's actually a more similar comparison yeah i I can totally see that he wrote and produced uh this and he directed and wrote ex machina and the guy is kind of robotic in his Mm -hmm. in his writing he is very much a mechanical man he made annihilation which i thought was great and we could probably talk about at some point it's it's written by someone who is incredibly smart but as you say the film kind of goes out of its way to not really judge the world that it's presenting you. Yeah. They're just showing you in the, from an Eagle's eyes view, here's what he would do in his universe. You're just there. And, and I mean, dread and his partner are clearly protagonists and Lena Headey and her gang are clearly psychotically evil. And yet they do about the same amount of violence. I don't think the film in any way, uh, sympathizes Headey. I was actually expecting them to, because they start her off as like, Oh, she was an abused and, violently yeah. mutilated prostitute no, she's, she's reprehensible. no yeah. yeah she's she's like a horrifically psychopathic character who has almost zero like at the dog moments throughout the entire film if she has any i, I couldn't recall even a single one yeah. that wasn't just her being a complete psycho so i think they were trying to give dread not so much like a better ethic because he doesn't have it he's just like a fascist psycho however she's so evil that in that context you're like okay i guess i'm pro dread and also to be fair, half the judges who are displayed on screen are bad, corrupt killers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, two are neutral because we never really see them do anything other than just be feckless and let the building stay locked down. Two of them are cool with Anderson and Dredd, but for very different reasons because they're way more developed characters. Yeah. And then four are corrupt judges who are willing to take millions of dollars from a in, in psychopathic drug dealing killer to kill one of their own. Well, what what if what if you know Serpico became the Punisher? Like what? What if instead of just getting killed by corrupt cops or horribly injured, he he <laughs> responded by blowing them away? Well, see, this is why I want to get into a discussion about how much you guys know about the actual comic and the universe and how long it's been going. Because Dread's an imp- Dread is the main character, and Anderson's also a very important character. But like, 
much of the story is of the full story is him dealing with corruption and killing other judges and fighting other judges and like fighting interdimensional judges and crazy evil magic shit. He's like a more of a Punisher character. In that. Yes, but he he is seen as a guy who is, you know, Alex and I were talking about this yesterday. Like he's like Batman where, you know, Joker's like, you're incorruptible. And Batman doesn't really make any sense. He's just like a rich asshole. But Dredd is incorruptible. He is so psychologically, fanatically, you know, ideologically committed to law and order that he won't he won't kill people who are doing drug shooting Uzis at him because they haven't killed anyone else yet. Uh, he'll he'll tell a guy who a vagrant to leave and he'll give give him ISO cubes if he doesn't. You know, he gives like five minor leniency, but he's so committed to the letter of the law that he. It often like prevents him from, you know, it's like, you know, people yell at Batman for not killing Joker because like, you know how much violence he'll do down the road. Just deal with yeah. it now. And Batman's like, no, I'm a loser. Whereas Dredd's kind of like, mm, not important enough. He, he, he's like a prioritizing target thing. Well, there's also no, there's like no humanity to it because usually we think of at least those of us who have any kind of like non-black gold identity would say, okay, we enforce laws to try to protect people to some degree. Like that we have a justification for law, which is the betterment of humanity or at least the people of a single country that has those laws. And it's just not the case here because the, the reality is Dredd is enforcing the law because it's the law. He doesn't give a shit. And he watches that homeless guy who he was about to cite and like put him in some sort of cube for being homeless. He watches his head get crushed like a watermelon. It's just like, ah, all right. Like he doesn't, he doesn't care. It doesn't mean anything to him. He doesn't actually give a shit about any of the horrific shit he sees. The only right. thing that matters is, is enforcing the law. And I, I think... To the degree that I think that this was originally an anti-fascist parody of fascism, his total callous disregard for any actual human life or stakes reveals the meaninglessness of law for its own yeah. sake. Right. When Dredd you, is not a contributor and a member of the society and the city and the civilization. He is explicitly above it. He is there to... He's not, he's not a man, a father, a husband, a cop. He is a judge. And then there's everyone else below that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very in interesting to me also because this film, you know, this, this depiction of Dread is, is pretty clearly a, a tribute to the film The Raid. Uh, I'm going to argue with that there. Really? Go, go, I mean, yes. it, it's almost exactly the same format in terms yes, of being a, an action-centric film all based within a, an apartment block. Yes. The problem with that, and one, it kind of killed the marketing and killed the audience for the movie when it came out because it came out very recently after Raid. Yeah. But was, both movies were filmed at the same time, totally unaware of each other. Uh, it's just that post-production... convergent evolution. Yes. Post-production on this film took a lot longer because they were having budgetary constraints. They filmed it for 3D because they thought that would be good marketing for it, and that caused other problems. So they didn't have knowledge of the Raid beforehand. It just happened to come out and be a similar premise. And a lot of people said, ah, just go watch The Raid, it's better. Which yeah. is interesting, because The Raid is a foreign film. I'm surprised that had that influence. But also, yeah, I didn't realize The Raid was 2011, so that's only a year before. Yeah. So yeah. They I were actually filmed, filmed at the same time, so there's no way to know that. Yeah. But, I mean, certainly, it is all a throwback to early budget action films. You can film in, like, your grandma's basement. Uh, you know, even the set for this, you know, you can go watch, like, the DVD features on, on, on YouTube. A lot of them have put up. Like, the way they constructed the mega block, mm -hmm. they basically constructed three floors of one corner and then digitally recreated the other three quarters of it and then scaled it up and down it's a really fascinating technological process they got involved the way they uh displayed the kind of all of megacity where they took real shots of cities and then digitally expanded it 
Sure. It's actually kind of similar to the way uh, they filmed the Joker movie in 2019, where like they took real shots of New York and then like digitally messed with it to look like it's the 70s. Like there's some really cool tech involved. There's some really cool world building involved. And there's some, yeah, there, there certainly is some homage. Um, well, well, the, the other reason I brought it up, even beyond kind of just what, before I, I I knew how contemporaneous they were, is that one is like one puts on this this you know patina of of uh, near future sci-fi, whereas the other one with a similar premise is it makes no such attempt at distancing it from the from the present. No, it's here now, and it's go drug dealers. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm kind of curious about like whether you think that it being sci-fi is really relevant. Does that change the tenor or the the message or the flavor of it in, in any meaningful way? Besides being able to do things like heat shot or hot shot. Uh, um, for, for me, it does. But I, I'd be curious what Alex thinks. Well, before we even get to that, I was going to say that we, we were coming into this with the assumption that like, oh, the raid outperformed dread because that's like what we were saying. But I, that's actually false. The raid made nine point three million dollars and dread made forty one million dollars. Oh, yeah, of course, because one's a Hollywood film, so, one's right. an Indonesian film. But what I'm getting to and the reason I bring it up is the, what made a difference was how low the budget was for each film. The original yep. raid film was only like a million dollars to make, whereas this the dread one was anywhere between 30 and 45 million. They didn't disclose. So basically, it barely broke even, even though it was five times the exposure in terms of actual set ticket sales. So the reason why you do a film in one building when you have a million dollars to make a film is that that is the cheapest possible set you can use. It's like doing a stage play. You're saying we're going to take a single rundown apartment building. We're going to make our entire film just running up and down the stairs through the various rooms of that apartment building. So one of the reasons why you might have convergent evolution in this case is because you have how do you make a film with a thousand with with a million dollars in indonesia and it's use an apartment building and then you have dread which is every single thing in this futuristic society takes place in huge mega blocks so it's it's i don't actually think it has anything to do with them ripping each other off because that we've already kind of established that couldn't be the case it's just guerrilla filmmaking it's just guerrilla filmmaking versus sticking to a post-apocalyptic universe where everything's in a mega tower which gets into your sci-fi element why that's a case yeah. Now, I do think the sci-fi element matters because it's not trying to be as gritty and real and modern as like the raid. It's not like any of the million modern cop movies and cop dramas that are trying to emulate and show back to you what real life is supposed to look like according to them. Because it's futuristic and because it's predictive and because there's a lot of nods and winks about it being very bad and cynical and satirical and derisive. Like when he shoots fucking white phosphorus, that is that is I, not the most you know silenced dog whistle. Um, it's it, it's it's trying to say do not let this happen. The foundational incident in the whole dread universe is we elect a president who starts a nuclear war with the rest of the world. Like, you know, this is pulling from nineteen sixties fears about you know the Cold War and about nuclear annihilation. These are unobject- you know, these are objectively bad things that pretty much everyone even then could agree it would be pretty good if the world was not to be nuked. So it's pulling on that. It's saying, you know, it's like Mad Max. It, I don't think Mad Max is really making many political statements because it's so destroyed. There's nothing left. But this is like, there's going to be survivors. There's going to be people. People are going to have to pick up the pieces again. Uh, it's kind of like the video game I've been playing recently, playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, there's going to be survivors, even if you destroy the world. How do they manage? How do they make do? How do they rebuild? And in this universe, they rebuild explicitly fascistly. Or they don't rebuild at all because it's 96% unemployment. Like, 
right. part of the part of the humor of it is that there's literally a failed state, but he's still trying to administer law. Yeah, there is no law. But, but everything's fucked. Like they're they're in a, an environment where there's four percent employment, and it's the people who guard the ninety six percent by like putting them in a cage. So basically, it's a prison state or your entire state. Right. Or they work in the control room of the mega towers. That's what I mean. Like they're literally the only people we see employed in dread are criminals or people who man the stations that lock in the facility. Vendors, medical people that we see. Like there's nothing, there's nothing there. There's no economy. No one has money. So it's just like, everything's either gray or black market. Everything's like ad hoc. There's no functioning state. So for dread to come in and he's like, Oh, there's the first, you know, judge we've gotten in here in ages. He's like, he may as well be visiting another country. He has, yep. Like there's no there's no state at all. It's just anarchy. Right. Like, the this, this is closer to Black Hawk Down than it is to any any sort of uh, specific sci-fi. Ooh, that's a great pull. That's a great, way more analogous film. Yeah. Uh, you're right. I mean, the, the population of that tower is larger than the population of the town I live in, and the town I live in is big enough to be considered a city. Yeah. Like, and I mean, to, you know, to your point, it's not just New York City. It's it's way bigger. It's way crazier. It's way more dense. It's the it's the density of India and China smashed into each other. It's 800 million people on the East Coast of America, all stinking, breathing, choking on the same, you know, no state other than the violence. And even within that, they're jammed into these apartment buildings that are like mega apartment buildings with basically nothing green, nothing like fresh. It's just human misery like kowloon walled city style yeah. smashed together as densely as possible because fuck you because you have 96 percent unemployment like the whole point is that this is a dis like a, a misanthropic nightmare that there's there's basically nothing for people so of course they turn to like crime or whatever right to, to me the reason why the raid is a little bit less advertising for me is because people like rodrigo duterte exist because <laughs> yeah. because people are him like yeah that's our drug policy that Sending yeah, people yeah, with guns yeah. and martial arts to execute drug dealers. Yeah, they probably love Dread too. Like if you're if you're a fascist, you can absolutely read these movies as pro your thing. You just have to not notice any of the little digs anyway. Yeah, but one's a little more intentionally fiction than the other. <laughs> I will say the raid I mean I actually enjoyed the raid more, but I do think the raid has worse politics in the sense that the raid goes out of its way to make the police good. Yeah. I, I think um, it, I think it has better better action, but worse politics, personally. Well, yeah, there's right, not much better action. There's tons of martial arts, there's lots of cool yeah. shit going on, but like out, the raid is explicitly the police are the good guys, yeah. the gang criminal guys are the bad guys, and in fact, the raid is basically good. I, like it is good that they're doing it. I hate to say it, but it's almost like AVP. It's like whoever wins, we lose. <laughs> like the judges are not good, and the drug dealers are not good, and life is not good. Everything is bad. Everything in the movie sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone's personality, their behavior, well, their mindset, everyone sucks. Anderson's kind of cool. She he's, he's casually married. kills people without a second thought when asked to do so when they, she shouldn't be doing it. She supports Dredd, who's a psychotic fascist murderer. Yeah, but he looks cool, though. His ass. suit is great. He does she, like, cool. mind rapes people for fun. She's, she's a monster, and she's yeah. the most likable character. I, I, one, one, you know, you, you, you just mentioned that, Jason, but, like, the, the, you know, the idea that this setting is a radioactive dystopia, but the way that, that the, the remains of America has... Um, formed itself as into into these massive um megatropolises and this is uh, literally one megacity there's like four in america which or, is like also the land which is quite different from the way that things are normally depicted and like as we've mentioned once once again mad max or fallout or whatever where, where everything devolves into like settlements disparate settlements across america yeah this they still have their tech they still have their modernity is is interesting to me because 
I, I I don't know. I think because of the plot of of the movie that we watched and that that being the setting, it made me a bit uncomfortable because it kind of felt like it was messaging. And I don't really think it has that deep messaging, to be honest. But if you were to read into it, it felt like it was saying like, hey, cities are havens of crime. Like this is uh, urbanization is bad. Urban settings are are rightfully euphemistic for, um, you know, for you know signaling towards criminal elements, which is, of course, signaling towards people who are poor and desperate. And I don't. I honestly don't think that this this movie has many politics. I think it was just made as like a an homage to the comics and a fun yeah, action movie. The comics do though, explicitly. but if if you need to extrapolate, I I felt like that's kind of where where it led me. I, I don't. It starts. I think the beginning of the film is so strong though. They show this like drone that's yeah. flying over, just scanning everyone's faces. That is not good. We yes. all get that's bad. He his opening monologue is like. Uh, that one monologue for one of Joe Rogan's specials where it's like, you ever fly over uh, LA and just, it just looks like mold on bread. Like it, the city is choking. It, it's it's like they're around the cursed earth. Like they acknowledge everything's bad and they're not really here. Like we're going to save it. They're just saying we're here to maintain yeah. order. We're here to manage the demise. He's, you know, he's not here saying like I'm changing hearts and minds one arrest at a time. I, I took dread to be whatever your politics are, you can get something out of it. Like if you if you have left wing politics, you can absolutely identify the critiques you're making in this film, like yeah. and, and what it would theoretically also be making. But if you're a fascist, you can absolutely go like, man, this movie's great. I'm gonna eat some popcorn. Yeah, and then I could just fascist. shit on them though. Um, you know, if you're if you're like a lib, you could be like, look at uh, how he enforced law fairly and tried look, to help look at how Anderson out. is a reformer. Yeah, exactly. Like there was something for everyone here, and I think that was probably intentional. Like I, I don't think that this movie was trying to break anyone's brains. This was not like a faithful. Uh, rendition of the 80s version in which you'd really have like an incredibly heavy-handed political message to everything. Well, it, it's not quite as sardonic as that. This yeah. is a little more serious, a little more kind of um, straight, play, played straight. Yeah. Uh, but the the <laughs> Stallone one is like goofy, stupid. But it, it also had a lot of messages which are kind of reactionary, and I can't tell if that was endorsing them or not because it was very vague in the way that it played out. So for instance, um, the police shooting of people early in this, in the movie, it's repeatedly shown that he doesn't shoot soon enough. So like if he'd only killed people earlier, he actually would have saved more lives, which seems like in 2022, not a great message when there's an endemic of police shootings, well, right? Keep in mind, it came of, out 10 years before that. So yeah, but it's hundreds of years after this has been a problem in the United States. Um, oh, sure. So like the, the idea that the police need to be shooting even sooner and with even less discretion, obviously not a great message. I, whether that's in, endorsing it or that's just part of the psychotic fascism, not clear. I don't um, think it's saying he sh ought to have. I, I think there is no ought. Like this world they've created is beyond the ought. Yes, it but just the, is. there are a whole bunch of people who wouldn't have died if he'd shot people sooner. But, um, but then you have the drug epidemic, which is seen as like the drugs are the vice as opposed to like the 96% unemployment which would lead to that, or like crime is the vice as opposed to the total lack of a functioning state, which would lead to that, right? So, so the identification of the problems in like, like by the protagonists are wrong. They're, they're identifying the wrong things as the agents rather than as the symptoms. So there's this, there's a huge emphasis in the film on um, the drug slow-mo, which is a fictional drug, which is sort of like uh, a altered brain state where you feel everything in slow motion. And that's seen as like a big plot device, I think, as Jason mentioned in our off- uh, Mike discussion about like just doing cool visual effects because they wanted to do a three move 3D movie for some reason. 
But still, it's it's a big plot point that like drug manufacture distribution is one of the big crimes and heinous activities of this gang. But at the end of the day, like that's like the least evil thing they were doing. It doesn't even seem to be that bad a drug. Like you you have slow mo for a while. Okay, they didn't even mention any negative side effects. It was just like they're evil because they're selling a drug. You get some burn on your lip. Yeah, whereas like they're involved in mass murder, torture, rape, extortion. You know, like racketeering. Like they're doing every other classical crime to a much more extreme and, and heinous well, degree. Keep in mind. They didn't get called there because of the drug. They got called there because Anderson said triple homicide looks good. They just happened to stumble upon, oh, Mama's the head distributor of this drug. Like, yeah. what piqued Dredd's interest is that this was a bigger bust than originally thought. Not that they were explicitly going after drug crime, because they, they concede in the very beginning. They say they can only go after 6% of the crime. So they voluntarily choose the most heinous because they feel that's the best use of their time. But the, the, for me, I I almost think it's really not that fruitful to analyze the like the intent of the politics of the film because the film is not saying well you know we really just need a Bernie Sanders to fix this like the film is not articulating there is a salvageable future here it's just a day in the life it's a picture of this bad future it's not saying that it's it's saying it's explicitly bad it's not saying this should be worked towards or that these right wing frames are good it's just that those are what are there and we're showing the consequences of that. Sure. I think, I think what thing you put in the lens, you know, what, what subject you are showing in the film does matter, though. If, if, if you want to take any kind of Yeah, but it's all evil. It, it. It's, told, it's shown us uh, to be bad. You know, like the, the, the extreme emphasis on drugs, for instance, I don't think it really, like, mattered. It wasn't really germane to the plot all that much. It was just kind of a thing that was a central focus of the film for some reason. And I, I think the main reason you do that is because Americans associate drugs with crime. Maybe. So but, you say, like, hey, this is an American audience. It's an American film, even though it's originally a British comic. Let's make a big drug-focused subplot because inner-city crime drugs. Like it's it's just like triggering our, you know, n nervous system to I mean, link these words together. That's certainly possible, but the way I read it is the drugs were a means to an end. The drugs were how Mama had become so powerful and she had turned so violent. Like the drugs were funding her. You know, Pablo Escobar wasn't evil because he dealt cocaine. Pablo Escobar was evil because of the violence, the back, the blackmailing, the the you know the coercion he used. Just because he was selling cocaine to America, like that to me, that's not why he's a villain. That's yeah, how I mean, he became great, wealthy, the and then he evil, started yeah. doing evil things. Well, the the tropes about police violence were were, if anything, leaned into as opposed to leaned away from the tropes about drugs being like a central component of what it means to be a criminal, which is like a Reaganite message yeah. was leaned into, even though again, that wouldn't have been the message in the original comic either. I mean, there's some elements of it, but I mean, I don't know more, that it was much more pressed have, into in real life than it was in even fiction. I mean, they may that I, I don't know exactly because I haven't really read the comic, but that may very well be a real plot point. Like maybe there is this discussion of drugs and maybe it is all canon. I don't, I really don't know. But I don't the, know the comic well enough to say, you know, the, the film, also touches on some weird like sex negativity as a subcurrent. So the main villain is a former sex worker who was wronged and went berserk and insane after that and like started being a psychotic violent murderer herself. So it seems like they're going to start making her sympathetic, but then they suddenly do like a 180 and now she's the most evil character on earth. Uh, okay. And then there's like a woman rookie who you think, okay, this is going to be like an empowering thing, but then she's, she's actually taken prisoner in like a tropey kind of way. And, is a like a damsel in distress. You think that there's going to be some sort of like, well, it's the future. They probably gotten over some of our sexual hangups. 
but the only sexual stuff in the film is depicted as rape or horrifying. No, why would they? Why would after nuclear annihilation would people get over sexual things? Well, when society degenerates, you don't usually have the same sort of moral strictures over like what you do. No, but and when yet, society degenerates, you certainly get way more uh, masculine sexual like violence. No, but you, you the, the entire film, the only depictions of sexuality, despite the fact that the main enemy is of a different gender than Dread, and that the sidekick is a different gender. You'd think there'd be, like, romantic hooks in some way. None. None whatsoever. In fact, she interacts brainwave with uh, this guy who they're holding captive, and the only sex we basically get is him, like, inappropriately, violently, yeah. violently assaulting her. Which is, And then I, later they refer to rape again. Yeah, it's explicitly not sexy. Like, the, the one of the only, I will say, black characters in the film who's depicted as, like, a yep. uh, torturer and rapist. Of white women. Yeah, like it leaned into some really, really fascist shit there. Now, is that supposed to be that? Is it an accident? Is it an homage to the comics? Yeah, I, have, I have no clue. I don't know. Well, I got to counter that. Once again, the medical guy's black. Two of the judges are black. One's corrupt, one is not. Uh, like the fucking, her second in command's like an Eastern European guy who's been in a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, but we're like, talking about, about screen time. and like, There's lots of Hispanic people. Like, there are two <laughs> positive black characters who have a combined total of maybe three minutes in the film. Uh, whereas this main black guy who's evil has about 25 to 30 minutes in the film, including a grotesque rape scene and then an intention to murder and rape that same person later. There's some really fucked up elements Once again, there. Like, what difference would it have made if they made that character white? I don't think any. It's, it's, a, it's the sample size is tiny. It's just one character. No, but, but like, it's just, like Jason, uh, just like Alex is talking about with, with the drug stuff, it's like it's what people expect to see, you know? It feeds into pre-existing expectations, which are incorrect and, and biased. And like, I don't, I, I literally, I don't think the film is smart enough or well thought out enough to be intentionally like feeding right. into fascist fantasies. But incidentally, I think, I think it does in some ways, you know, and that's not really an indictment of the, of a, of a dumb action film, but yeah, I just, I just don't expect films to be progressive. That's not what I'm looking for when I watch a film. Well, you don't have to expect them to be progressive, but you can expect them to not. Like, In fact, the movies that pretend to be progressive are all fucking garbage. Basically, every modern, oh, we're trying to be more intersectional, we're trying to be more representative, are all like evil, soulless husks of corporate, you know, extracting machines. To me, this I mean, is a more genuine film. Who are left wing. Like, you don't have to be a psychopath to make a film. Like, no, what I'm saying you is. You can it, make a genuinely left wing film. What I'm saying is, Marvel's Eternals is marketed as like Avengers, but liberal. It's like it's not. None of it is. Well, in, in any case, whether or not it was intentional, whether or not that's what you are seeking in a film, there are some pretty questionable narratives in the film, um, which, as I, I agree with, and they're almost certainly not intentional. Like I, I don't think they were sitting down. Like, how can we lean to fascist tropes in every area, especially because they're like soft fascist tropes from America, specifically about like police violence or black uh, people having a higher crime incidence or the inner city connection and the drug connection. Like it's just as someone who's lived in the United States their entire life and has grown up with the incredible plethora of incredibly racist, misogynistic, uh, reactionary tropes around crime. They hit almost every single one in a way that I wasn't really expecting both because the original comic is British and because it was in sort of an anti-fascist parody. So I wouldn't have expected it to, to some ways like play into those same tired cliches that almost every that uh, crime thing leans into that makes me think of movies like starship troopers though like that movie is intentionally yeah ri ridiculous and the, the audience still didn't get it and most people like 
I like I was viscerally put off by that film. Yeah, and fair. and most people were like, oh, the cool factions will kill the bugs. Like, even if you even when you go out of your way to make it obvious it's satire, like it doesn't work either. So I'm not telling them how to make the film. But, like, I'm saying me, I was surprised I, to see the same tropes in it. To me, I try to analyze the art, not the politics. Because to me, I to me that's easy to separate. You're the wrong podcast. Then. Yeah, but yeah, like, it, that's what we're, we're doing. We're doing the art and culture section, not the politics section. It's always both. I can't turn it off. Well, yeah, I, I get, I, I get where you're coming from. Um, yeah, so, so I, I guess I, I'm just, I'm just surprised because I didn't, I didn't hate the film. It was fine. It was like average to me. But I don't think it succeeded if it was even trying to be a political movie because it had a really messy mixture of different stuff in there, including some of the very oldest, most reactionary yeah, tropes, it, as well as anti-fascist parody, as well as like lib reformist shit. Like it was all over the place. It's definitely not trying to be a political movie. It's trying to be an accurate and nice homage and send up to a very well-liked character and a competent action film. And in that way, I think it succeeds. And it, it kind of tells you how like blackpilled the overall ethos of the film is, which I guess is true of the comic, that a woman who's been savagely raped and permanently disfigured as a former sex worker is given a torture device and then thrown to her death. And we're like, okay, that's cool. That's literally the ending of the film and everyone watching. It's like, yeah, that's great. She's very, given a very, torture very device. Cool. What does that mean? She's made to feel it for a hundred times longer than she should that she's falling. Toward yeah, but that's subverting. That's just a twist. But there was no reason to do it. It was just fuck you. Like there was no advantage to doing that. Yeah, but Judge the, Dredd, who, the rest of the film never does anything that's not like lawful decides to torture her, like to do an ironic punishment. Yeah. Even though there's no reason to do it. I just, I just wouldn't, I just say he turned the use of the drug on its head. I wouldn't call it really to torture, but it's not a torture. It was but, used but, to torture in the same way she used it to torture the three people she threw in the first place. Yeah. Um, so it, I, mean, I think the movie's established that it's needlessly cruel, but to, to speak to something else, and this is one of the reasons why I think the message was so confused in this film, even if the director or writer thought they were doing a political thing, I don't think the actors understood it. Here's a couple of quotes I found from Wikipedia about how these actors thought about their own characters. According to Carl Urban about dread, he viewed the character as an average man with an insanely tough job in a fragmenting society and likened dreads heroism to that of a fireman. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, really? So he that saw this shocking. as purely a good guy. Well, wow, he really missed that. So but how I, do I don't think Kyle Urban's a fascist. I think he just doesn't understand. How did character. he do such a good job, though, if he doesn't understand the character? Because he's a great actor. And he we just kind of leaned into it. He's just that damn good. We got to shoot this fire. I do not think he understood what Judge Dredd is. Because <laughs> that's insane. That's the really? most insane take no. possible. And that's the guy who did the that, character. I didn't expect to actually be shocked. That is very surprising. That's the most shocking thing I've heard. That is the only thing he could have said that was shocking. Because if he was just like, yeah, he's a fascist. Yeah, and I thought out. I should play like a fascist. What if or if he's, he's like, hey, it's a lib. It's like, what? But what if he's trolling? That <laughs> sounds so absurd that he might be I, trolling I, the interview. I don't think he's trolling, Jace. This is know, like a yeah. neutral interview. Anyway, Lena Headey, who is the main villain in the film, played Mama. Again, a character who was a former sex worker who was horribly raped and disfigured and then as a result went insane with revenge. I think of Mama like an old great white shark who's just waiting for someone bigger and stronger to show up and kill her. She's ready for it. In fact, she can't wait for it to happen. She's an addict, so she's dead in that way. But that last knock just hasn't come. I mean, I actually think that's a pretty interesting reading on that character because she constantly has throughout this film this air of like, Fatalism. Like, yeah, she's very fatalistic the entire time. And she's almost just like, get on with it. Like, oh, she she keeps being bothered. Like, oh, I have to escalate the stakes again. 
I got to lock the building I, down. I got to call. I understand. I that's like, actually, I, I, she's I, weird, but that's a pretty interesting. She's topic, talking though. about drug addiction as if that's a death sentence. I was going to say, yeah. you can recover from. I, I was on board until she basically said, like, if yeah, I mean, it's a drug. The end kind of nosedive. But I thought the rest of that analysis was pretty interesting. Well, the end was what I was reading it for. Well, you, you got it then. Yeah, yeah because the, she's treating drug addiction as if it's a death sentence, which is an insane reactionary thing to do. Yeah, it's hard to recover from drug addictions. It's difficult. But worse comes to worse, if you even do slip back into drug addiction, that's still not a death sentence unless you overdose or there's something horrifically wrong happened. Like, yeah, but, there are tons of people who live as drug addicts and they live lives. Yeah, but maybe she's implying like she's an addict with no intent to get over it. She's like leaning into it. She's even if it she doesn't identity. intend to get over it, why is that a death sentence? Like, it, she's she's leaning into some really confused reactionary tropes about drugs know, that people like, believe because they don't know what drugs are. Like Mama's whole life is spiraling though, and she's like she's embracing the kind of black the 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 nihilism of it. It's just know. telling to me that the two lead characters, the main protagonist and the main antagonist, have really weird and bizarre takes, even on their own characters. So what would fairly well? What would have to say about Anderson? Uh, I did read that one too. I don't know if it was as exciting. Uh, she thought of herself as a gray character because she knew so much. So she was like, my character is the opposite of Dread, who's all black and white. I'm pure gray because I can mind rape people. I, I don't know. It was a weird thing. It's not worth paraphrasing. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like to, to me, this tells me that the characters, that, that they didn't give them good enough direction or prep because that's wildly misunderstanding the, the character of Dread. And it's certainly misunderstanding the reality of people with drug addiction when the main trope that she's playing is a drug addict. So I... I <laughs> That's very troubling to me if I wanted to like think that the actors understood what the fuck they were doing with these characters. Mm -hmm. um, well, they did I, a good I, job. Even I liked understand. their performances because I think these are both very strong actors, but I really don't think they understood what they were doing on a foundational level. These are not method actors, apparently. It, or their method is madness. Also, just on, on, on to, to veer back into completely non-political criticism or commentary, I, I don't... I didn't really understand the choice to have like a... a a person with psychic powers in the film. Like, it felt kind of... Well, because it's canon, is it why. Felt, I, I, I never read the comics, so I, I assume... She's a central so. character. This is one of the least weird things that's in the comics. Yeah, yeah. It's like JoJo's Bizarre Adventures level shit in the original comics. So. Oh, well, then it's... So it's extremely yeah. weird and, and incomprehensible. Yeah. It's completely a, baffling. She is a totally, like... Oh, that's totally normal and extremely central character to the plot way down the line. Because if it, if, it, if it were like a Shadowrun universe where that was like a thing that happened to people, that, well, like, we were joking. Like, like, go ahead, in. No, I, I, I was just going to kind of trail off and say, like, we, we were joking because Alex has recently watched Bright, that fucking garbage <laughs> Will Smith Netflix movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's more like Shadowrun, where there's fucking orcs in our universe. Yeah. Where this is just like, no, it's just an extension. It's just the sci fiing of nuclear radiation. Sure. Because there's like whole sorts of monsters and like, it's basically, it's very Robocop. You yeah. know in RoboCop when the, the the like nuclear waste gets thrown at that guy and he melts, mm -hmm. and he becomes like disgusting pile of mud, and he and then the guy the dad from that '70s show smashes him with a car, and he turns into like dust. <laughs> like it's 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 all very like gritty, like sh sh you know '80s shock kind yeah. of shocky like violence. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think this film has a lot of that DNA from these all these. You know, I had this discussion with Alex yesterday. There's a lot of artists who came out of the Red Scare and the nuclear annihilation threat and yeah. the Cold War, and that got imbued into their art. The guy who wrote Watchmen and V Vendetta, Alan Moore. Uh, it, has, it has a lot of that DNA. Um, and so that kind of, all that stuff got captured and became its own media sphere, and now there's nostalgia for that era. 
So we have games like Cyberpunk 2077 coming out. Which, what's it got? For all its flaws, it's got the fucking Mega Towers. Like, it, identically from Dread. That is one-to-one inspiration. Um, you know, the, the guy who made Cyberpunk, like, the, the, all these people are having convergent thoughts. All, uh, all the very first sci-fi writers are writing, like, you know, Dreams, Electric Sheeps, Dreams, all that stuff. All these people had the same ideas all coalescing, and they were coalescing in different ways. Some focused more on hacking in the digital realm. Some focused more on the gritty violence of a, of a kind of climate-changed world. Some focus on the politics of it, of, you know, as you say, like the dread, you know, 2008 is explicitly about the fascism and the kind of the how those in charge would use the new technology of the era to kind of secure their positions permanently. There's all sorts of interesting stuff going on in this kind of subgenre. And I just I liked taking a dive into that for two, you know, for 90 minutes. And I think I think I, I kind of actually enjoyed like I, I grew up on those. You know, my 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 dad was a big fan of the of like those 80s action movies. And I, I actually kind of enjoyed that this film didn't it like clearly was was along the same kind of plot course and had the same kind of protagonist, but didn't waste any time trying to moralize them. Right. It's not like you should love Dread. Oh, is Dread, Dread, Dread such a wonderful guy? Whereas in the 90s Stallone film, he's like there's literally celebrations for him of people adoring him and like throwing roses about like celebrating him as the greatest man ever because he killed his evil twin brother. It's like, no, this is just a day in the life of Dread. And they comment on, like, you know, if you don't die today, you'll die tomorrow. You know, if you fail this test, you know, you, like, it's so banal. It's so just like, everything sucks. Yeah, I think that's the difference six years make, because you guys are similar age and I, I'm a little older. I didn't exactly grow up on these films, and, like, to the degree that I was exposed to them, I, don't, I didn't really like them. The 80s, like, rah-rah American machismo, guns, and no ethics whatsoever always kind of made me want to throw up. So this is, like, it doesn't offend me to the same degree because it's not even, like, top 10 most extreme examples of that. Um, but, yeah, like, this doesn't, this kind of thing doesn't really do anything for me. This, this kind of, like, uh, throwback to a thing I never liked in the first place probably doesn't work. And I think it's really just, like, what you grew up with and what you experienced and wh- how old you were when you experienced it. Well, I didn't experience those things as a kid. I mean, to me, Stranger Things is way more grossly nostalgic and fucked up. Yeah, like, but it also sucks. Well, like the first season, like what I'm saying is this doesn't bask in the nostalgia. It just kind of pulls a couple threads from that era and that kind of art. To me, it pulls an enormous number of threads, but that's because I'm talking about things like all those crime tropes. But yeah, but once again, like I don't I don't like the 80s because of like Reagan and the horrible evil shit that happened. The 80s is just known culturally as like a, 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 a very interesting period of our history where there's extreme highs and extreme like wealth and partying and drugs and then horrible extreme lows. Of, I mean, you know, to- People being let out of you know asylums and deregulation and cutting off of, of social safety nets like it's it's a weird kind of bipolar period of our history. To me, this was Death Wish meets Black Hawk Down. It was it was an '80s crime film filled with all the reactionary tropes there, but it was also a lone survivor in a foreign land where yeah. there's no law and it's a failed state. And I, I mean, that, that makes for an interesting action film. I, I definitely don't think it made for an interesting political vignette, and it's almost good it didn't because I don't think it would have been a good message it's almost yeah. like kind of i'm kind of glad it stayed out of the political element because i don't know that it would have gotten it right if this was made by Zack snyder this would be one of the most disgusting films ever made right it would have been just in like yeah. just relishing yeah. in fashion because Zack snyder would be accidentally basking in the fascism and the violence and the blood huge parentheses around accidentally i mean he's really dumb alex like yeah it'd also be a, a much more visually disgusting film yeah it'd be yeah. even grayer somehow yeah, though if you added, you would have all the slow mo scenes that were good. <laughs> One of the few things that was nice about the film is it didn't waste your time. 
Like it, every scene just kind of did what it needed to do in the next scene. Like they didn't fuck around. In fact, there were scenes that were almost cut. Like it yeah. felt like they were cut. Like the woman, uh, there's a fight between the psychic woman and her like evil corrupt cop antagonist. They don't even bother to do a five second cutaway for like reading her mind. They're just like the audience can figure it out. Just have a shooter. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of implication which could have used another five yeah. ten minutes screen time. And it's like fuck it. Like this movie kind of knew when to get in and get out. So like I kind of can appreciate a movie that can cover all this insane ground in like ninety five minutes. Yeah, that's why I kind of call it like a roller coaster. It's not the most exciting yeah. roller coaster you've ever been on, but roller yeah. coasters don't waste your time. If you're sitting on a roller coaster looking at your watch like I'm fatigued, you got a problem. It was kind of like a GED. Like it's not what you necessarily wanted, but you got <laughs> it done. You 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 qualified. You're out. So, yeah. Once again, rookie pass. Like it's a pass, and that's yeah, it was it was a hard C minus for me, and and I didn't mind it nearly as much as some of the other stuff we watched. So yeah, yeah, you know, he's only three percentage points behind. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, we haven't talked about that, that many movies yet. Um, the top of the ranking for me so far has been the remake of of Predator, which I like. Oh, God. Christ. Christ. Did you like and, any uh, of the Christmas movies? Oh, I forgot. Uh, the Christmas movies. Um, Bad Santa is a 10 if you, out of 10 if you for put, me. If you put the 2011 Predator movie above It's a Wonderful Life, I don't know what to tell you. No, that that I was not considering the Christmas movies. Can't be movies. friends. The, the other two don't still rank below it, but A Wonderful Life definitely ranks at the very top. But Dread is, is, is above 2000 whatever Predator. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, yeah. You didn't like Bad Santa. Oh, no, I hated it. Whereas okay. Alex like, almost pissed our pants when he was fucking with Thurman Merman. Yeah, but I, I kind of feel about it the same about Dread. Like, I don't think I'd watch it again, but there were moments that I enjoyed. I gotta watch Bad Santa again. Like, it was funny, but, like, it was so horrible also that I, like... Listen, watch, I, those I, are the same universe. I'm a, I'm, a hard, <laughs> I'm, I'm a hardcore Irish Catholic. I can't enjoy such hedonism. Yeah. <laughs> Is Irish Catholic like a genetic type now? It <laughs> like, is, yeah. It's, it's, it's his class talent. It's yeah. A, yeah, phenotype. It's his signature. Yeah. It's, yeah, he's, <laughs> it's visually showing on I specialized born, in two classes. Yeah. I was born with a genetic Catholicism. All right, folks, we're, we're rambling. We are. We, we, we just began rambling? We will let you watch the film and decide for yourself whether it was a fun time. Uh, and until next time, when someone else hosts, vamos, vaya con Dios. Pass. Vamos conmigo. That's it. Rookie. Boy. Hockey pads. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy what we do here at the Non-Essential Workers Podcast and you want to support us, please check us out at patreon.com slash non-essential workers podcast or by clicking the link below. For five bucks, you get access to the Patreon feed and twice right twice as many total episodes how many more i'll say it one more time for the back twice (laughs) (laughs) anyways thanks and see you next time